Greetings, welcome, bienvenidos. Hola, aloha, ni hao, namaste, konnichiwa, bonjour, bonjourno. Salad de corrupt, guten tak, jawili, vakat, bang, half a day, jai jinendra, salam, shalom, peace, now, go vegan, peace, how, go vegan. From the new right left coast of the genetically mutated McNugget Pharmaceutical Kill Vivisection Prison Killitary Industrial Court Port Nation in the cheese covered post constitutional bankster bankrupt corruptocracy mocracy criminocracy unchallenged by meteor meteocracy food born in the NSA CIA NRA uh, USA home of Uncle Sam Manila where they sure do eat a lot of dead animal body parts and the Wall Street-backed corporate diet of death, disease, and destruction is shoved down your throat. This is Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden, sponsored today by Health IQ, an insurance company that helps health-conscious people like runners, cyclists, weightlifters, yoga practitioners, and yes, vegans get lower rates on their life insurance. And uh, you can go to uh, healthiq.com slash GVR to see if you qualify and uh, get a, a free quote. Uh, the phone number is 800-549-1664. And if you talk to somebody, use the code GVR as in Go Vegan Radio. That's healthiq.com slash GVR. And... Uh, here we are at GVR, mid-January 2018. I uh, hope you're uh, keeping up with your New Year's resolution uh, to do more for the animals and the planet and your health, all by going vegan. And uh, hopefully you'll do that and save 310,000 gallons of water this year over what a non-vegan consumes or needs to grow his, his or her food in a year. Uh, Let's see, I've been saving 310,000 gallons of water now for 33, 34 years. So I could take a long shower if I want and not feel guilty. And a nice hot shower sounds good this time of year. And a nice big, big, uh, big bowl of uh, vegetable soup. I just had, I, I, actually I'm stuffed. I, don't, I shouldn't really eat so much before... I join you here. I don't want to f take a nap in the middle of the show, you know, like most people do when they listen to the show. But uh, I have to tell you, I just threw a bunch of organic carrots and uh, some yams into a big pot with some water and let it boil for about, what, maybe 40 minutes. And then I cut up a cabbage and put that in there, let that go another 20 minutes with a can of beans and... And a little sea salt and cayenne pepper, turmeric, oregano, and I squeeze the lemon and into it, and uh, I can't stop. I'm I'm as addicted to that right now as I am uh, listening to Radio Bobby, and you know. So, what's my favorite thing to do? Eat vegetable soup, hug Daisy, and listen to Radio Bobby at radiobobby.com. Make it a happier 2018. Listen to radiobobby.com. So uh, here we are in January. I always think of this time of year as the time that I commemorate the debut of this here very radio program in January of 2001. Um, I don't know why everybody isn't as consumed by this as I am. 
I don't know. It must be that Illuminati-created uh, distraction, NFL football, you know, that takes people away from, uh, from just obsessing on the uh, anniversary of Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. How, how can we be overshadowed by NFL playoffs, huh? Uh, I will. Uh, I I would never have imagined how disinterested in football uh, I uh, would become, considering how obsessed I was at a young age, you know, growing up in uh, New York City and Manhattan and the Bronx. It was all about the Yankees in the spring and summer, and the New York Giants in the fall and winter. And uh, my sister had her David Cassidy poster on her wall. Unfortunately, uh, he passed on fairly recently, so I guess uh, she and he will, will not be getting together as she thought. Um, and I had Sam Huff, middle linebacker, number 70, New York Giants. Uh, I actually bought a jersey with number 70 on it. I fancied myself the middle linebacker among my wimpy friends uh, when we were, what, 12, 13, 14? Was that about the time we were playing football? We, we would play tackle football occasionally over by on the Harlem River Drive in the grassy area there. But uh, for really most of my childhood youth, I remember the schoolyard being concrete, you know. So we were, we'd play touch football, you know, like the Kennedys and Hyannisport. Uh, and uh, pixie football, we would play. We'd play in the street in, in between parked cars. Um, and pixie football was, you know, about the size of uh, practically like a Spalding, you know, the little round ball that we'd play uh, stickball. Uh, we'd use to play stickball anyway. So, so you could really throw a bomb with the pixie football, you know. So, um, and uh, also being one of the chubbier, chicken fat, uh, fed kids, I I was somewhat hard to bring down. So I thought, well. Oh, I'm a fullback. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a fullback here. Give me the ball and, you know, I'll run it into the end zone here. Um, and, uh, you know, I couldn't tell you who one New York Giant player is today. But, of course, I still remember back then. I, I, can, I can remember all the Yankees and their uniforms. But uh, oh, let's see. Well, Alex Webster was the fullback uh, back when I was obsessed as a child with New York Giants football. The quarterback at the time was number 14, Y.A. Tittle. Um, and, uh, yeah, a sports hero named Yelberton Abraham Tittle. That's an unlikely uh, unlikely name for a, a sports hero, right? No wonder he was called Y.A. Huh? Yelberton Abraham Tittle. What parent does that to a child, huh? What parent names uh, his or her child Yelberton? Huh? I guess a parent who... Wants uh, his or her kid to grow up to be the quarterback for the New York Giants, huh? When Frank Gifford was playing back then, before his days with Kathy Lee, and number 16 on the team, I think he was a halfback, and oh, he was knocked unconscious. I remember the whole city held its breath. We'd actually listen to football games on the radio with Marty Glickman. I mean, we just that's how into it we were. And, uh, Oh, Frank Gifford was knocked unconscious one day by a, a visiting player. I still remember Chuck Bedn Bednarik. That was his name. Chuck, the, isn't the brain amazing what, what it remembers, you know? And 
why it doesn't make space for things that are meaningful, but I have I have Chuck Bednarik on the brain right now, very hated in New York City for knocking Frank Gifford unconscious. How dare he? How dare anybody tackle a, a New York Giant? Huh? How dare they? How dare any team beat the New York Yankees ever, ever? Huh? Talk about entitlement. Maybe that's why we've grown up so entitled, you know? It's like, we win the World Series, and, yeah, anyway. So, um, yeah, I can see it all now. I mean, back when I was interested in football, uh, Tittle dropping back into the uh, pocket. Y.A. Tittle. Um, over the middle to uh, tight end. Number, ND, uh, number 88, Del Schaffner. Is this show uh, sounding more like ESPN today or Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden, huh? Tittle throws the bomb to Homer Jones. Touchdown, huh? Um, yeah, so amazing also that I had the nerve to go try out for my high school football team, you know? I thought, hey, Stuyvesant High School, it's a, a specialized math and science high school, so must be a bunch of nerds, right? But dang, I got there and, you know, there were guys 6'4", 250 pounds, and, you know, some of the guys were, like, Olympic speed sprinters. It's like, what am I doing here? You know, so I got cut at the first tryout. Uh, we were uh, outdoors and we had to dig our hands into the frozen tundra, the dirt. It was like 15 degrees out. And that just about did it for me. Okay, all right, I, I guess I won't be on the football team. No, two whole, my hands are cold. Get me out of here. I didn't pass the, the, the dirt digging tryout there. Just as well, uh, but uh, when I actually think think about it, why did I want to be on the football team anyway? Um, really, it was an all boys high school at that time, so I wasn't really going to impress anybody. The cheerleaders? No, I don't think so. Um, I think that actually there were cheerleaders from another high school, but then again, they were from another high school. What are they doing cheering for anyway? So. Um, I think what I really wanted was the team jacket. Uh, I'm embarrassed to say it had leather sleeves, you know. I think back then I, I also had another leather jacket. Amazing, you know, how that was another person. I, You know, I mean, who was I eating, you know, animals and wearing leather? Just like a different person. Uh, and we thought, oh, how macho, huh? Isn't this leather? Oh, I'm wearing a leather jacket. How macho, huh? You know, it's like, hey, I'm like in a gang. Like, I'm really cool. Like, hey, hey, I'm Hell's Angels, you know? It's like, but uh, basically I'm wearing the skin of a, a poor innocent being who was just standing there minding her own business, uh, having the rest of her body turned into hamburger. So, anyway... As a vegan now, no, I don't. Don't eat, don't wear, don't use animals. And uh, anyway, back then, eventually I pretty much lost all interest in football. You know, like Seinfeld said, you know, you're pretty much rooting for laundry when it comes right down to it. You're rooting for a uniform. I mean, uh, Mr. X replaces uh, Sam Huff, you know? I mean, who, next, next shirt wearer, next jersey wearer. Sign in, please. Mr. X replaces Sam Huff. and Then Mr. X replaces Yelberton. Uh, I think that Mr. X was Fran Tarkenton, if I remember correctly. Fran Tarkenton came in as the Giants quarterback 
after Y A Tittle. Um, but I really haven't been interested in football. Um, well, until um, until actually this weekend, I think I'm I think I'm interested again. Uh, there seems to be a team called the Tennessee Titans. Have you heard of uh, the Tennessee Titans? I, I would have never get if you would have asked me in a quiz. Okay, what's the the team name, uh, NFL team in Tennessee? I probably would have said the Oilers. So I thought maybe the Houston Oilers moved from uh, Houston to Tennessee at one point. I I don't know. And then, as I recall, in my youth, when the AFL. Uh, was invading NFL space. There was a team called the New York Titans, I guess uh, to be imitating the Giants, I guess Titans would be an appropriate name. So, okay, okay, apparently there's a team in the playoffs this weekend, the Tennessee Titans, and uh, it's playing a team, I think it's called, what, the New England uh, Patriot Act. Okay, uh, or something like that. Um, anyway, what do I care? What, what, why should I care? Huh? Well, apparently, there are 11 vegans on the Titans. Huh. And the quarterback of the New England Patriot Act, Tom Brady, is a vegan. So, you know what that means. Whichever team loses can blame it on veganism. So, uh... Isn't that isn't that wonderful? Let me see here. Why do I have this? Uh, what happened? Why is this on my screen? I wanted to go directly to. Okay, hang on. I have to. What happened here? Yes, this did I lose the? Okay, so this was in uh, USA Today. I, don't, I guess this was also on uh, Fox Sports Network. So. So here the uh, the title of this article is Veggie Might Titans D gets boost after going vegan. So apparently people know what the word vegan is because you know they don't explain it in parentheses, which is pretty cool, huh? Veggie Might. I wonder if people get the uh, get the joke on the Veggie Might here, but it's Veggie Might as in powerful. Titans D gets boost after going vegan. Let me scroll down in this article here. Uh, let's see. So, so as I mentioned, apparently 11 uh, team members are vegan here. And it says, Lineback Derek Morgan sparked the move away from meat. He and his wife, Cordon Blow, um pardon my French, Cordon Bleu, Cordon Bleu, uh, trained chef Charity Morgan had gone vegan for stretches and when Morgan's uh, nutrition advisor, um, uh, nutritionist advised him 10 months ago that veganism, veganism could help uh, maximize his athleta Sism, veganism for athleticism, um, he decided to give up meat and dairy entirely. Quoting here, uh, he, it says, uh, he knew that dairy always didn't agree with his body because he would have reactions when he ate it, Charity Morgan said. He never thought about meat. 
the uh, human brain we've been taught oh we need meat it's protein 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 so we both had to re-educate ourselves on what is protein let me see if I can I need to adjust the font here a moment okay let's see so uh all right, so it continues saying, having, uh, having a trained chef in the house eased the transition. Charity Morgan studied plant-based meals online. I presume that we mean plant-based meaning vegan. Um, and began preparing dishes for her husband. By the time training camp opened, Charity Morgan was also feeding defensive, uh, defensive lineman Jarrell Casey... Uh, a three-time Pro Bowl selection, and defensive end Daquan Jones. Her client list grew as more teammates and uh, uh, as more teammates smelled what she was cooking. What they, right? That you know, the food is great, right? So anyway, so it says here, uh, quote: I broke down, tasted it, and I've been uh, I've been ever since. Uh, Woodyard said, uh, one of the players on the team, it's good. You start, uh, you start off just uh, trying to get uh, rid of certain things. I've always wanted to give up red meat. Uh, once I got the chance to uh, get into the vegan diet, it's kind of like you uh, trick your mind to eat uh, other things and you get used to it. Well... I don't think it's much trickery. The food is so great. Do you know what I mean? So, so it says here, Charity Morgan is now feeding 11 Titans and sometimes a few wives uh, with more on a waiting list. She's also dished out advice to other wives about uh, handling vegan dinners at home and uh, favorites have included uh, vegan crab cakes and pea protein burgers with charity morgan's own uh take on uh in and outs special sauce or as i like to say skin and snout um let's see it says the chef delivers uh delivers a, a pair of coolers packed with food each day for practice and she even provides breakfast burritos on game days at home uh the titan so it goes on to the titans team record and da 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 says uh let's see no guys are still performing guys are taking care of business uh let's see let's see scroll down i think uh, this uh also there was a link to her food on the website uh the uh pcrm website physicians committee for responsible medicine talking about this uh, at pcrm.org uh, apparently it's all excited about the football game too you know when you have 11 vegans playing on a team and on the other team the quarterback is vegan so let me just see what it says here uh, on the uh, article about it it says uh Okay, so it says 11 Titans were inspired to try out plant-based diets after linebacker Derek Morgan and his wife, Chef Charity Morgan, who prepares many of their meals, went vegan earlier this year. Um, 
quote, everybody is making plays, everybody is healthy, everybody is eating right, and she's been a big part. Titan linebacker Brian Arakpo, uh, forgive me for if I'm mispronouncing, um, or uh, I'd be shocked if I weren't mispronouncing. Uh, Brian uh, Arakpo uh, told ESPN, uh, you find Chef Morgan's recipes on her website. Uh, the players say they were uh, also motivated by the documentaries What the Health and Forks Over Knives. And uh, it says here the Titans are up against last year's Super Bowl winners, the New England uh, Patriot Act quarterback Tom Bradley, who led the Patriots to four Super Bowl wins, is a longtime proponent of plant-based diets, which I assume means vegan, um, and uh, has inspired others to go vegan. Uh, So, wouldn't, I mean, so, uh, yeah. So you have a a wonderful, uh, the wonderful inroads here. NFL team in the playoffs. 11 players are vegan. And so, Chef Morgan, what what is she feeding them? Uh, Actually, there's a link if you want to go to the uh, PCRM.org website or uh, Chef uh, Morgan's website. Uh, I see see how the team is uh, handling it, you know? I mean, it's not... uh, not like the team is sacrificing anything. It, I see it starts off here. And the recipes are here, too, so you might want to check it out and, uh, and experiment on uh, your family. Uh, there's Kung Pao spaghetti, um, roasted cauliflower tacos with spicy romesco, and uh, cheesy cream of broccoli soup. Looks like vegan cheddar is used in that one. Sweet potato, black bean, and chorizo tacos. Scrolling down here. I, I can see more more players will want to be drafted by the uh, Tennessee Oilers or uh, the Tennessee Titans. I don't know if she's e- even using oil in her food here. Um, so then there's sweet potato spinach pesto lasagna that the Tennessee Titans are eating. Be amazing, like no, we we can't play the game. We're bu- we're we're having lunch, and we we're too busy to to play. Also, vegan shepherd's pie uh, is here. Her recipe, four C's chefs, uh, chefs uh, charities chipotle chili. Looks good here. You too can eat like an NFL player. Be big and strong. Uh, let's see, matcha green tea pancakes with strawberry. Uh, dragon fruit syrup. When was the last time you ha- you had that? Has has anybody in my audience, any listeners, have you ever had matcha green tea pancakes with strawberry dragon fruit syrup? Well, you can now. The recipe is here on her website, so looks great. Um, Thai coconut uh, soup with black rice noodles. This is how the NFL eats today. I don't think Y.A. Tittle was, was eating like this, or he'd probably still be playing today. Uh, veggie pot pies, recipes for veggie pot pies. You can see, yeah. I guess, uh, I guess I should be rooting for the, uh, I guess I should be rooting for the Titans because there are 11 players who are vegan, and uh, 
I should try to get Chef Morgan on the on the show. So I guess that's what makes me root for a team. <laughs> There's how I root, decide how to root for a team. Not, it's not the home team. It's not the New York Giants. It's like, what team has the most vegans? And uh, who has, what team has the best vegan chef to interview on the show? So I think we'll keep it at that. Um, and what show is this? This is Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linda, the first vegan program ever. Um, we started... Well, now it's 17 years as of January, right? Here we are in January, so the show is now 17 years old. There were probably some some babies, some kids who were three or four, you know, toddlers at when we started the show who, who might be playing in the NFL today for all I know really you know so anyway um there you go everybody's going vegan i hope you are too it's the best thing for the animals and the environment and your health and uh it's uh, critically important um coming up on the program today uh we're going to hear from Stephen Shore he is the organizer of a, a big event happening in the beginning of February. It's the real truth about health, and uh, you will be able to see this uh, 10-day event for free online, or you, you can attend if you like. We'll be talking about that also later in the program. We will hear from Professors Gary Francione and Anna Charlton, commentary from them, and... Uh, Please support this program with a tax-deductible donation. We are a 501c3 nonprofit grassroots, and we're not getting all the big money that's going to the, uh, the animal charities that are out there campaigning for cage-free eggs. Uh, this program campaigns against cage-free eggs, and in fact, we are dedicated to uh, rebooting the animal rights movement and booting the egg industry out of the animal rights movement and I have a lot going on about that on Facebook and Twitter Uh, on Facebook Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden and Twitter uh, a lot going on there where I am pretty much in a war of words with all of these groups who are in support of cage-free eggs and uh, so-called clean meat and you can check it all out on Twitter at Go Vegan Radio and Facebook Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. And please do make a tax deductible donation. Um, go to uh, goveganradio.com. You can find the donate button, it's there. And you can also support us uh, through subscription via Patreon. Okay, so coming up next, we will talk to Stephen Shore of The Real Truth About Health.
Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden at GoVeganRadio.com. On Twitter at Go Vegan Radio, Facebook, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. I keep forgetting to mention our YouTube channel. You know, I just checked it out recently and I'm pretty amazed at what's there. So uh, you can go to uh, YouTube.com slash Go Vegan Radio. A lot happening there. And uh, I ask you to support us with a tax-deductible donation. Um, we are a 501c3 nonprofit, Go Vegan Radio. And this program, the first vegan show ever in mainstream American media, um, is now celebrating or commemorating 17 years uh, on air. We started in January of 2001. We expected to go maybe two or three weeks who would have imagined and here we are 17 years later inexplicably or maybe ex explicably since there does need to be a voice of truth for the animals and the environment and human health and it seems that these days people are seeking the truth you see it all over the internet and YouTube truthers people really want to know the truth because they know actually that the truth has been hidden from them uh, for a long time and the, the truth could be shocking and especially to uh, the profits of major corporations but um, today we have the organizer of the real truth about health which is a conference coming up soon that is quite amazing and extensive and comprehensive and uh, thank you for being with us today Stephen Shore how are you Good. Thank you for having me on your show. Well, thank you for being here, and thank you for what you're doing. It's, uh, it looks quite amazing. So tell us a bit about uh, the real truth about health and how you got it started and why you got it started and, and what's happening. So we're having a conference called the Real Truth About Health Conference that brings together 35 authors on health and nutrition, the food system, the medical system, and the environment. And... In theory, there really should be no reason to have this conference. In other words, these authors wrote amazing books with tremendous amounts of documented science in it. And if the media had fully covered these stories and covered these books and was familiar with these authors, they would be printing the information from these books in, the, in their news reports every day, and everyone would be completely familiar with what they're saying. However, for a lot of reasons which we could go into, these books are seen by a small number of people and their incredibly urgent, important, and accurate information is not part of the mainstream conversation. So what I want to do is take these authors who are saying the most important things that I could possibly imagine on the most important subjects that I could imagine, and I'm saying let's get them to have to a live conference where people can see them live in person for free, can see them on live stream for free, and then can see the YouTube videos of them for free. Um, the reason we made oh, oh, the conference- you said a magic word, uh, for free, wow. <laughs> you know, we, we wanted to make the conference free because the goal is to get as many people as possible to see this. It's not, um, we don't wanna just get 500 or 5,000, we would like to get millions and tens of millions of people and hundreds of millions and two billion people to see in this information. Um, a lot of us grow up and assume that the information we're being told from the government and the universities and the science community and the media um, 
is all the most accurate information. And it's shocking when we learn that a lot of that information has been distorted by corporate interests. So here we have directly, right from the source, the researchers who studied and spend their lives getting this information. Wonderful. So, um, and you, you've done this in the past. How, ma how many uh, of these conferences have you conducted? Well, we've had. And this is all. Daisy is all excited about it now too, as you good. can hear. Good. Yeah. Um, it's our third ten day. It's our largest one so far because this time we have 30, 34 speakers now, um, and uh, we we've been putting these videos on the Real Truth About Health. Um, conference YouTube site so people can see the last two years of conferences. We have you know 850 videos up um, or will be up. Some are up. Some are still being put up. Um, and uh, this will be the largest one. 34 speakers, 10 straight days. And uh, who are some of the speakers? I, I know it, you don't want to admit anyone because they're all uh, uh, quite significant but uh, who's, who's speaking this year? Well, we have T. Colin Campbell, who wrote the China study. Um, we have uh, Caldwell Esselstein, who is a well-known um, author and doctor who wrote Prevent and Reverse Heart Disease. We have um, Brenda Davis um, and Pam Popper, Brian Clement, um, Dr. Ben Johnson. We have Deborah Davis, who speaks about cell phones. We have Gabriel Cousins, who speaks about raw foods. We have Joel Furman, who's a very well-known author. Um, we have Jeffrey Smith, who's an expert on genetically modified foods, Brian Clement and Anna Marie Clement, I mentioned. We have someone named Richard Oppenlander, who I don't know if everyone knows, but he is an author who writes about how our diet is the number one influence on climate change, water shortages, um, land use, uh, biodiversity, you know, it, uh, all these environmental issues. Um, we have all them. We even have um, someone named um, uh Professor Peter Wadhams, who wrote a book called A Farewell to Ice. He's been to the Arctic 40 times, and he is one of the premier experts in the world on climate change. So we have a wide variety of people speaking on everything from whole food, plant-based nutrition, to genetically modified foods, to chemicals, to the bees dying, to cell phone radiation, to the medical industry. We have Del Bigtree, who wrote the movie or produced the movie Vaxxed about the vaccination industry. So these are some of the people that we have coming to speak. Wonderful. Well, that's uh, actually uh, a number of the people you mentioned have uh, been guests on my show, and people can go to the archives for that. Hard to believe, but there are uh, over 600 archives of my show at GoVeganRadio.com, and you mentioned a lot of people who have been on this show, but I see a lot of people whom I don't even know. I'm, I'm not familiar with a lot of people who are uh, at, at your conference, which is interesting to me because I'd like to become familiar with them and probably have them on the on the show in the future. So yeah. uh, yes, we we basically didn't just go for famous names. We also, if there was someone that had something fantastically important to say, even if they weren't well known, we brought them. For example, there's a woman named Beth Lambert, and she wrote a book about called a Compromised Generation. And she's writing a book that says some of the craziest things that you could imagine. She's basically saying that with all the chemicals and all the medicine and all the um, different toxic things we're putting in the environment, that the children today being born are not the same as 50 years ago, that there's higher incidence of allergies and asthma and ADHD and autism and just general de developmental disorders. So 
you know, it's not on the news every night, but the idea that children born today are compromised and their health is compromised and it's getting worse. This is, in my mind, an urgent matter that I wish was getting the attention of the mainstream media. I, I agree, definitely. Um, and it, it looks like, I mean, just the subject matter, uh, I mean, it, you're really covering such a wide range. I mean, if you go down here, it's everything diabetes and prediabetes and um, autism, obesity, childhood obesity, chronic kidney disease, uh, use of prescription drugs, uh, the average lifespan in the United States, heart disease, uh, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, arthritis. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's like a, a medical um, encyclopedia here, practically, that you have. Yeah. We're covering a lot of different topics, but they all have a very similar theme. And the theme is that some industry doesn't want you to know accurate information because it would be bad for their business. So whether we're talking about diabetes or high fructose corn syrup or the pesticides that kill the bees or coral reef destruction, there's a general theme. And the theme is if the American public knew all the facts, it would be bad for someone's business. So for this reason, um, we have all these different topics and they sound different. But again, whether you're talking about genetically modified foods or sugar or antibiotics in your milk, there's some set of facts that we want the public to know. And there's an, a group or an industry that desperately doesn't want the public to know because that wouldn't be good for business if people understood the full impact of their products on people's health on the planet and on the animals. So they are different topics, but there's a, a similar theme with all of them. Mm -hmm. We are talking to Stephen Shore, the organizer of The Real Truth About Health. And uh, th there seems to be a theme where uh, I could say, uh, go vegan. <laughs> you know, I look at all of this and I think so much of this would be solved by going vegan and, and eating healthy vegan foods, you know, from, uh, you know, what grows from the earth, uh, organic or preferably veganic at this point. Sometimes you look at what, what is allowed in organic and that, that can be a little scary also, but uh, that seems to be the, the highest standard. But uh, if I look at uh, the list of so much of this, uh, a, a lot of what uh, ails us would be cured by going vegan and um, avoiding like you're talking about, uh, like you mentioned, uh, vaccination. Well, you know, I often have, or I've had numerous shows addressing vaccination, and people think I'm, you know, totally weird. Like, what's wrong with you? You know, like, uh, uh, because uh, the mainstream media have uh, brainwashed people into, you know, where you 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 question vaccination, and people go, what, you know, what's wrong with you? You know. Yeah, I mean, you know, you got to give a lot of credit to the um, the animal food industry. They've been brilliant at marketing. I mean, no one's been smarter. They've gotten the whole country to feel very, very comfortable um, that you must consume animal products to be healthy, to get enough of protein, to get enough vitamin D. They've got everyone consuming dairy products. And when Richard Oppenlander put out a book and said, by the way, um, yes, we're torturing animals. Yes, it's bad for your health, but beyond that, the number one issue, the number one cause of climate change and water shortages and land use and deforestation and desertification and ocean dead zones is the eating of animal products. 
it's kind of changed this whole discussion. Up till now, I thought we were just talking about our health and the treatment of animals. I never understood the scope that he is saying clearly that more than anything else, more than the entire transportation industry, that changing your diet to a whole food plant-based diet um, or just stop eating animal products um, would have a greater impact on climate change and these other environmental issues than the entire transportation industry. So his book, which you can get anywhere called Food Choice and Sustainability or Comfortably Unaware, explains this argument. And I would say, you know, it's become one of the themes of our conference that of all the things, if you're going to do nothing and care about nothing and don't want to get involved in this, the one thing you could do that would dramatically affect all these issues including climate change and water shortages and all these things would be to completely 100% stop eating animal products. And and that means go vegan. I know a lot of people seem to run away from the vegan word. Um, I also bring up um, some concerns about um, the term plant-based because uh, I don't know if you know, there's, there's nothing really um, definite about that plant-based. Um, I think uh, raises some questions in people's minds and lately I've been seeing even at, at Forks Over Knives uh, where it's been saying uh, that uh, plant-based doesn't necessarily mean excluding all animal-derived uh, foods and I think that's, that's, that's a, a mistake uh, that shouldn't be made that, uh, you know, if we're, we're, if we're talking about, you know, we, we can't... We, yeah, but everything gets compromised, you know, it's like the term vegetarian should really mean vegan, but along came the dairy and egg industries, and we have lacto and ovo uh, vegetarians, and then we drop the prefix, and suddenly vegetarian means I'm having a, a cheese omelet and a glass of milk, you know, and I'm vegetarian, so um, I... I uh, I do believe that the term uh, plant-based, when used in your regard, um, does mean vegan, no animal products. Uh, we've had Dr. Uh, Openlander on the show in the past, and uh, it, this sounds like the theme of, of our show right here. In fact, I was just uh, doing some exchanges on Facebook with the Citizens Climate Lobby uh, because I'm upset with all the environmental groups who are awash in rancher donations and meat industry donations. So the environmental groups aren't telling you that the number one cause of climate change is animal agriculture. And of course, I agree with Dr. Openlander and, and often quote uh, the assessment of Dr. Robert Goodland and Jeff Anhang of the World Bank um, that says that animal agriculture is responsible for at least 51% of all uh, human-generated greenhouse gas emissions, and those same climate specialists tell us that the only solution for climate change is a massive population shift to vegan. Uh, that's the only solution before it's too late. Um, that will free up a lot of land for reforestation and uh, could take us back to pre-industrial carbon levels. Um, people who are vegetarian and consuming uh, dairy are hurting the environment with methane, which has been uh, estimated to be uh, at times a hundred times worse than, than carbon. So and these so these climate specialists are telling us that the only solution before it's too late is to go vegan, uh, ignoring uh, or, or 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 
we're ignoring say see what's what's put out in the media and and uh, the environmental groups is that we need to switch to an alternative energy infrastructure which would be great except that would take 20 years and and 35 trillion dollars so um so really the the key is to and, and you know like you said I, when i first was becoming uh vegan I thought it was a quiet little personal decision I would make. I'd sit in the corner. I'd uh, enjoy a salad. <laughs> Back in those days, you didn't have you didn't have the choices that you have now. Um, and um, now I've come to realize that it, it's the key to everything. It's the key to um, saving the planet, saving our children, saving the animals. Who who would have thought that? Uh, a dietary choice would would be so impactful but it actually is and I, I think that confirmation is coming from uh, your uh, your conference the real truth about health oh and also um, I just recently had a um, a life insurance company come on as a sponsor of uh, go vegan radio and this is confirmation to me a life insurance company is offering um, special low rates for vegans so so they must know something you know like like we've been discussing on the show for 17 years um, I, I guess I should mention that people can go to healthiq.com slash gvr as in go vegan radio uh, for information about that but that I, I find that to be an interesting confirmation and uh, you know look at the roster you have of speakers so and and how will people be able to see and hear them and go where to do so uh, tell us about that well you can go to realtruthtalks.com that's r e a r e a l t r u t h t a l k s.com and sign up to watch it live or online if you watch it live you can come to the Huntington the Hilton Huntington in Melville New York or you can watch it for free in person or online. And if you go online, it's going to be on our website, realtruthtalks.com. We'll have it on Facebook. We'll have it on YouTube. And we'll have it on live stream. So it'll be in all these places for you to watch it um, and just sign up at, uh, at realtruthtalks.com. Realtruthtalks.com. Oh, and so people can, co can come in person also then, you're saying? Yes, you come in person. All the speakers will be live on stage in person. And what I especially like about this is first during the day, there's four 90 minute lectures. So each person gives their lecture um, and then we give free vegan ice cream after each lecture and free <laughs> vegan pizza after the 530 and 930 lecture. But the best thing is at seven o'clock each night for two and a half hours, we get a panel of four, five or six of the experts in this field all together answering questions um, about about this information and from their books. Wonderful. So, and people can watch that all for free at realtruthtalks.com, you're saying? Yeah. So, for example, um, on Friday night, the 9th, you're going to have T. Colin Campbell on a panel with Caldwell Esselstyn and Pam Popper and Kim Williams. Kim Williams was the past president of the American Association of Cardiologists. So, you know, you're getting four people who, two men in their 80s, and then two other people who have studied this information like crazy and a two and a half hour panel, a very rare opportunity to see four of them together on stage for free answering these questions that um, you're not really going to get answered anywhere else. 
Wonderful. And so this is February 2nd to the 11th, is that correct? That's right. It's a 10-day conference because we believe there is enough information that, that we want people to hear and see, so we made it 10 days. Wonderful. And this is at the Hilton Hotel in Melville, New York. Where is Melville? It's you know a 40-minute train ride outside of New York City Penn Station. So you could either drive there or take a train from Penn Station to the Farmingdale train station, and then you're three miles away. Um, it's well worth attending. It's life-changing listening to these people. They will unbrainwash you from what you've been told um, your whole life about food, health, nutrition, the medical system, the environment. So I think it's well worth it for people to attend in person if they can, and certainly by live stream if they live out of the area. And that would be Long Island? Long, Long Island? Island. That's right, Long Island. Long Island, not Long yes. Island. Okay. That's right. So uh, I thought I detected uh, a slight accent uh, uh, yes. from you there. Um, I don't know if you detect mine. I mean, I'm from uh, Manhattan, the Bronx, and Queens, but uh, I, I went to broadcasting school so I could actually get hired somewhere, and they said, you know, you better start putting your R's where they belong and taking them out where they don't belong, and that was the key <laughs> to to uh, addressing my New York accent, you know, but, uh, but if try I... Try to get rid of it. Try to get rid of it. Um, if I talk to you much longer, I will fall right back into it, and I'll need to go back for a refresher course, I think. So uh, <laughs> so um, anything else you wanted to say uh, about what's coming up? And uh, Yes. Yes, I would. Mm -hmm. um, this really isn't a conference. We're calling it a conference, but it really isn't. If this was 1960, I would say we're having a 10-day conference, and it would be good. You'd come if you want. You could learn a little. What I'm saying is according to what I've read, according to what I believe, according to what I am seeing – I believe this is an urgent message, an urgent call. We are not making, um, you know, we've never made money on these conferences. We hope one day we'll cover our costs. We haven't so far, but maybe one day we will. But the point of all this is there is an urgency that we don't have time to wait 20 years. We are losing the, the elephants, the tigers, the rhinos. We're losing the forest. We're losing the soil. We're polluting every body of water. We have ocean acidification. We have desertification. We have antibiotic-resistant bacteria growing. We have an epidemic of obesity, diabetes, childhood obesity. They just announced the other day, to my horror, that the autism rate has now dropped to 1 in 36. Um, some people say they're diagnosing it better, but that's not in any way what the evidence shows. There are so many environmental and health things that have gone off the rails, that are so out of control, that this is not meant to be a conference where you go, yeah, maybe I'll check it out, we'll see. This is meant to say, we don't, this information is urgent. Get this to your senators, get it to your congressmen, get it to your, your teachers, your professors, get it to everyone. Somebody of any age has gotta be a hero. Take this information, get it to everyone, share it. We don't want the information in this country to just be coming from big industries who have an agenda that's to sell more products. We need someone who is going to protect our environment and our health and our food system. So these 34 authors are coming here in desperation, hoping you are going to hear their message and spread it vigilantly and intensely for the next 10 years. Like we are in a crisis. I, I don't. You know, I'm not a professional speaker, so maybe it's not good to say to people, we're in a crisis, this is urgent, because maybe that makes people go into resistance. 
But we're in a crisis. This is urgent. We're completely doing things that are having consequences that are way beyond the scope of what people are realizing. They're, they're saying we're running out of antibiotics. They're saying we're going to, you know, that the climate thing is getting spiraling way out of control. Like we can't wait. You don't want to wait until you have fourth stage cancer to stop smoking cigarettes. The second you you don't even want to wait till you have cancer to stop smoking cigarettes. You want to be on the prevention side. We need to go into prevention. I'm begging people to listen to this information. Hear it. It's 100 percent free. We're not charging for anything. There's nothing. We're not selling anything. Get this information and become an, an activist in whatever way is best for you. But we need to get this information out fast if we want to protect not only the next generation, but our generation. Like this stuff is not getting reported in the mainstream media. The environment situation is horrifying. The GMO situation, the same. I, I don't want to go through every topic, but they all are urgent and it's being ignored. And it's not going to happen that quickly from the government. So we need a lot of people to see this, hear this, watch this, and then use their power and influence to spread it to as many people as we can so we can get two billion people to hear this information and get the world changed. Well, I, I, last I checked, our audience is only a billion and a half. So you'll have to find the other 500 uh, million somewhere else. But okay. uh, <laughs> I, I uh, share your urgency, your sense of urgency. Uh, in fact, I, I, I guess you've defined uh, the motivation for my doing this radio show for 17 years. I'm doing it out of desperation. <laughs> and we appreciate and I appreciate that. And people like you are the inspiration for this conference. Um, you know, your type of energy and all the other people that have, you know, been doing marches and signing petitions and holding, you know, writing books and making documentaries it was all an influence to get us to this point to say, hey, this is urgent. We better do something. And so we, we've, this whole conference is a result of all the people over the last 20 years who've been doing things, writing books, writing movies, pro, you know, having radio shows, writing articles, writing blogs. It was all an inspiration to, to get this conference to happen. So thank you to everyone who, who was part of that. And, and I certainly appreciate your dedication. I know uh, the kind of effort that is required to put something like this together. Um, for a couple of years, I organized the World Vegan Summit and Expo, uh, much to uh, my uh, finan the financial challenges. You know, or I'm, I'm, still, I'm still suffering. However, you know, there's a need to, to get it out there. And of course... I didn't get major corporate sponsorship because, you know, this this isn't what the corporations are saying. So, um, you know, we've had the World Vegan Summit and Expo and Planet Fest and Community Fest. And we just have to keep plugging away at, at getting the information out there. And uh, and this is wonderful. So, again, uh, this is the real truth about health, uh, which is a major, major urgent uh, event uh, coming up February 2nd through the 11th. If you're in the New York City area, uh, you can make it out to Long Island, uh, Melville, New York, Hilton Hotel, and uh, and you can see it all for free. And you said, again, that's uh, realtruthtalks.com? Uh, realtruthtalks.com. And if you want more information, you can call 516-921-1417. Real Truth Talks with an S, T-A-L-K-S, dot com, and 516-921-1417. And it's free, 100% free. 100 and we're giving 
we're serving free vegan pizza at 5.30 and 9.30 each night and free vegan ice cream after every lecture. I, I've been known to travel uh, long distances for uh, vegan pizza, that's for sure. <laughs> there's, this, there's this great place um, near – I go to the Natural Products Expo every year, and there's a place uh, called Vegan Pizza about a mile away, and it is – it's spectacular. People don't realize also that uh, vegans are foodies, and we have the best food also. It's not like we're asking people to eat cardboard or just iceberg lettuce. I mean, we're, we, we do have the best food and, uh, of course, the most nutritious and the most, uh, most important for the animals and the environment and our children's health. So, um, well, terrific. And I, I'm looking forward to this. I'm sure that I'm going to learn a lot from watching this online and I really appreciate your efforts Stephen Shore and putting together the real truth about health thank you very much Bob okay thanks for being with us today and uh, check it out people it's uh, really important thanks again
This is Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden at GoVeganRadio.com. On Twitter, at Go Vegan Radio. Facebook, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. And remember, we have recently launched the new 24-7 music station, Radio Bobby. You will love it. People who are discovering Radio Bobby are discovering that they love it. The music is so different. People are really into Radio Bobby. It's at RadioBobby.com. Radio Bobby is brought to you by Veganism. That's right. You will never hear a commercial on there for anything related to meat, dairy, fish, eggs, honey, uh, wearing animals, using animals. And uh, there's a lot of good vegan information on the station also. Um, as well as uh, probably the best music you have ever heard, ever, ever, ever. It is the music experience of a lifetime. Um, if I weren't talking to you right now on this show, I would just be uh, listening to Radio Bobby, petting Daisy, hugging her, and uh, continuing to siphon the vegetable soup that I made tonight that is just so delicious. What did I do? So, Oh, so I seasoned it with... You know, so I, I mentioned it was uh, organic carrots, organic yams, organic cabbage, organic kidney beans, and then a little bit of sea salt, cayenne pepper, turmeric, garlic powder, um, and uh, what else? Oregano, and I squeezed the lemon into it, and uh, I'm in heaven, especially when listening to Radio Bobby with it so here's a must for vegans with family responsibilities and uh, this really is is confirming everything we've been discussing for 17 years all the health studies um, all the connections we draw between consuming meat dairy fish and eggs and cancer heart disease stroke diabetes so um, this, uh, this confirms that you're doing the right thing if you're being vegan. Health IQ uses science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance for health-conscious people like runners, cyclists, weightlifters, strength trainers, yoga practitioners, and yes, vegans. That's right. Uh, go to the website. It's healthiq.com slash GVR, as in Go Vegan Radio, or you can call 800-549-1664. And again, uh, give the person there the code GVR. So um, Health IQ is, can actually save customers up to 33% on life insurance. It's the fastest-growing life insurance company uh, now with over $5 billion in coverage. And the Health IQ Advantage is its unique mortality model based on health-conscious living, lower rates for the health-conscious, like good driver savings for good drivers, you know, auto insurance. Uh, good drivers get lower rates on auto insurance. You get lower rates because you're vegan. So this is a unique underwriting approach, replacing uh, BMI with uh, waist to hip ratio and cholesterol uh, calculations, etc. So, um, and by the way, Health IQ is the official life insurance partner of 
USA Weightlifting. Health IQ reduces your chance of being penalized for adverse family history uh, if you are otherwise healthy. And if your history, your family's history, is consuming meat, dairy, fish, and eggs, you know there will be a, an adverse family history. Of course, my father died at the age of 47 of a sudden heart attack. Um, and uh, so the question uh, you might have for Health IQ is, well, can you still get special rates if you have a pre-existing condition? Yes, we can. Yes, you can. Yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. Health IQ appreciates your efforts in overcoming chronic disease. And so uh, you get special rates, too. So see if you qualify, learn more, get a free quote, uh, and uh, check out the special savings for vegans. You can also take the vegan quiz at healthiq.com slash gvr. And again, the phone number is uh, 800-549-1664, healthiq.com slash GVR. Go vegan. Go vegan and get uh, better life insurance rates or, or be vegan for a while now. And really, you know, I mean, and, and the thing is, you know, if, uh, you have family responsibilities. You have to look into things like this, right? So and everyone is going vegan. Even the dogs and cats in your family can easily go vegan too now with Evolution Vegan Dog and Cat Food, which has been around now for close to three decades with never a recall uh, over all those years and none of the horrible ingredients uh, that uh, commercial dog and cat food generally contain. So uh, check out Evolution. Um, if you call the first Wednesday of the month, you get a 20% discount on dry food and a 10% discount on canned food. And... Um, 25% off anytime if you call if you're a new customer and it's your first order and there are special arrangements made for people with financial challenges. The phone number is 800-659-0104 um, and uh, you can also go to PetFoodShop.com PetFoodShop.com 1-800-659-0104 Commentary on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden coming up with Professors Gary Francione and Anna Charlton. And again, I invite you to please support this program. If you've been uh, thinking about it, you know, like right from the start, you've been saying, well, I, re- I really want to donate to, to Go Vegan Radio because I really care about vegan education and vegan advocacy. And, you know, so when I get around to it, you know, I, I want to get around to it really sometime in the n- near future. And, you know, now time goes by, time goes by, and look, it's 17 years now. 17 years ago, you wanted to donate, you haven't gotten around to it, we're still on the air, inexplicably. Here we are. Uh, why not donate a dollar for each year we've been on? $17, huh? Or, uh, or $1,700, you know? Or, you know, whatever you can afford would be great. Um, and you can donate at goveganradio.com.
Sacrificing a lot every time I do this talk show by turning off Radio Bobby for a little bit, but I think it's worth it. So, <laughs> all right. So, um, happy New Year, Professor Gary Francione and Professor Anna Charlton. How are you today? We're fine. We're fine. Happy, happy New Year, New Year to you too, Bob. Happy New Year. So I guess you're having a happy New Year. Um, actually, this is it, it's January, so I. Um, Actually, I usually like to remind myself uh, every January of where my life went wrong. And uh, um, 17 years ago this January, I started this radio show. It's uh, January of 2001. Here it is, January 2018. Where did I go wrong? (laughs) Well, Bob, you know, I, I would say that you shouldn't look at it that way. You haven't gone wrong. It's gone right. We've got a lot of people. You've educated a lot of people, and 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 look at it that way. All right, I'm feel I'm feeling better, feeling a little a little good, better good. about myself, and uh, and actually, when I think of Radio Bobby, like I'm really I'm really liking myself actually for a moment here. Okay, that's good. That's good. So um, things are going well with your uh, book, which is yeah, Ad- yes, advocate I... for animals, um, an abolitionist vegan handbook. It could you could read it as uh, advocate or advocate. Actually, one could read it either way. You know. Well, well, um, you, you're right. Um, it is ambiguous in that respect, but that's why we have an exclamation point. An exclamation. Yeah. An exclamation. The, the title is "Advocate for Animals!" Exclamation. Ah, point. okay. So there. Okay. Uh, okay. And and um, and so Although the ex- a really enthusiastic animal advocate though could have an exclamation point. You know, like. Well, that's true. You could be. You could say, you know, 
he's an advocate for animals. Right. That, that would be a rather unusual locution. Well, uh, we're very happy to have a very enthusiastic advocate for animals, so we'll take that too. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. So, we're, you know, however you read well, it. I'd, I'd, like, I'd like to think I might be one, uh, actually. I, you know, I, um, I want to talk to you about what's going on with me here. You know, I, I've... Uh, uh, I, I think I've reached uh, the, the the breaking point. You know, I can't tolerate the the cage free egg uh, movement uh, anymore, and uh, so uh, I'm I'm becoming my regular animal advocate! Exclamation point! The one in the past, I think, who had the megaphone. All you know, and uh, I'm I'm really I'm I'm really uh, well. First of all, I uh, am suggesting to Alex Hershaft and Farm. That I speak at uh, this coming year's this uh, this June's uh, so-called animal rights conference, and uh, my suggested topic is egg industry infiltration of the animal rights movement and the corruption of animal charities. Um, do you think he might book me for for that? Well, that's likely. Yes, Bob, but um, <laughs> the chances that Alex Hershaft is going to have you come and talk. Um, to uh, people about that topic is between zero and zero and point zero 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 one percent. Well, it seems uh, so necessary, though. Uh, as far as I, as as far as I'm concerned, uh, uh, there's been a total infiltration and and takeover, and uh, I. Uh, decided that on Twitter I'm just having a war of words with everyone all of the animal charity evaluators uh, so-called animal charities and all all of them who are for uh, cage-free eggs you know from the Humane Society of the United States which was named as a standout charity this year or I, I say stab out charity um, but also you know Mercy for Animals the Humane League Animal Equality uh, Compassion and World Farming, Albert Schweitzer Foundation, um, and, and all of them are for uh, cage-free eggs. And, you know, it's time... None of them talk about anything negative about cage-free eggs. Not for a moment, not a peep about all the male chicks being ground alive immediately, all the females being debeaked and in crowded conditions, and then they're all murdered anyway. Not one animal is saved. No, nobody is saved from torture or murder, and this is the cause of the animal rights industry. And, and you know, I'm, I think I've reached my breaking point. I, I have to, like, rise up against this. I think if Alex Hershef doesn't invite me to speak, I may... I may look for the the megaphone and dust the cobwebs off that and go down to Los Angeles, but uh, I th I think it's time you know to reboot. We we really need to to get the world to go vegan now for all reasons, but you know the the animals especially, and we have an animal rights conference that all it cares about are uh, victories that mean everyone gets killed, you know. So yeah, but Bob, we know um, by now that those um, animal charities, and they are not animal rights charities, they are animal char they're charities that have something to do with animals, that fundraise off animal issues, have no incentive, and in fact downright refuse, um, to do the things that are required to get veganism really into the mainstream and energetically adopted and 
all the things that we know need to happen. So perhaps for the new year and your own mental health, <laughs> you know, we need to, um, there's nothing wrong with, um, you know, with, with your newsperson's hat on looking and seeing what's happening. Um, but change is only going to come from a very different direction, as you know. Mm. Oh, and, 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 and by the way, then, uh, also, I, 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 I was into the issue of uh, clean meat um, as uh, one of the top charities of animal charity evaluators. Uh, Good Food Institute, uh, with Bruce Friedrich running it. And um, so um, I just basically was saying that I... I, I don't believe any yeah, it's not it, it's actually dirty any 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 uh, any product derived from animals is uh, dirty and it's made filthier being fed the, the blood of unborn cows and Bruce Friedrich uh, tried to uh, you know, came back to defend uh, his uh, his his blob his biotech blob um, saying that uh, some of the companies involved with clean meat have uh, moved away from the uh, fetal uh, bovine serum. Um, but he talked about how it's now the best, uh, the best marker, or however he explained it, uh, saying that basically he was justifying using it now because it is effective. And, uh, you know, these are cells from animals. These are animal products. It's animal meat all the way. And, uh, he, you know, he, he's there on Twitter um, sending out stuff, defending, you know, whatever it is he's doing, too. Well, look, you know, the only thing that surprises me is that you're surprised by this. It's, they've been this way forever. They'll be this way forever. As far as animal charity evaluators, we should start an abolitionist char animal charity evaluator. And what we can do is um, you can rate me the highest and I can rate you the highest. Because all <laughs> animal charity evaluators is such a, is such a, a silly uh, uh, organization of people who are basically rating their friends um, and where the people who are doing the reading, rating are benefiting from the rating, it's just silly. It's ridiculous. And, it's just and the not. same, the same four charities win year after year. All of them who have been associated with Nick Cooney in one way or another, and he has been associated with animal charity evaluators too. And uh, even after they get called out on it, the same charities still win. Surprise, surprise. You know. So uh, yeah, and and all support. Um, cage-free eggs, and uh, then there's the Good Food Institute, or the the bad, you know, which is you know bad and not food, uh, which has its uh, animal products. So th those are the top four charities all selling animal products. You know, it's like how did that happen? You know, where's the vegan there? Well, the vegan is uh, it, from uh, it's Go Vegan Radio charity evaluators. Guess who came? Guess who came in as top charity this year for Go Vegan Radio charity evaluators? Yes, it is Go Vegan Radio. There's a donate button at Go Vegan Radio. We're not getting any money from the Open Philanthropy Project. And you know, I think that's what's bothering mo me most is well, that so many millions and millions of dollars are actually being pumped into these groups by the Open Philanthropy Project, uh, allowing them to spread the lie worldwide. You know, that's what, so I, I feel it needs to be neutralized now even more because it's getting so much financial backing from uh, Lewis Bollard and the Open Philanthropy Project that 
there needs to be some pushback or, you know, we'll all just be eating happy eggs, you know? Yeah, but remember something, you know, these organizations that support this stuff, but people don't want to, a lot of people don't want to stop eating it and they don't, you know, and so anybody, the fact that there are quote animal people out there who are busy telling them that they don't have to stop eating them, that they can continue to eat them or they can eat clean meat or they can eat happy eggs or whatever nonsense they say they can eat, you know, people will, you know, hey, that's great. You know, I have the animal people telling me, the animal, the experts are telling me I can do that. And, um, and you know, they're telling me, you know, that this is a good thing. Well, people, you know, it's no surprise to me that people are attracted to that. It's it's what they want to hear. So, you know, I mean. All right. Well, they, I'll, I'll just be there to tell them a little about what they don't want to hear, maybe, just for the uh, uh, sheer entertainment of it, I suppose, you know. So. Uh, well, look, I mean, I, I, think, I think that, um, unfortunately – if you go to the um, the uh, animal rights the so-called animal rights conference, um, you know, and you you uh, try to uh, speak to people about what a horrible uh, situation is going on there, uh, you know, you might reach some people. Um, you know, I think I I actually think um, what would be a better tactic would be to have a um, have an event which goes on simultaneously with that one and 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 requires that people have to choose and um, I I do think I really do believe that uh, you'll get some people who when confronted with a conference that will you know that is focused on happy meat and fetal bovine serum uh, and clean meat and all that sort of nonsense um, uh, you know when faced with a choice of whether they want to they want to hear about that or they want to hear about activism, uh, vegan activism, abolitionist vegan activism. I think that they will choose the latter. But um, that's what I, you know, that, I mean, that that would re actually be, I think, a more Maybe we have the next uh, vegan because we care uh, march like we had through the streets of Berkeley. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I just I, I just think, you know, as a general matter, um you know, the the idea would be to have you know to have have a conference going on at the exact same time, so that people have to choose. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, yeah, they're going to get more people. There's no doubt about it, because you know these are organizations that are putting you know huge amounts of money into promoting the welfareist position. So surprise, surprise, you know, they, I mean, you know, that's what you know. They're they're a business, and they're a business with a fairly large advertising budget. But you will, you know, I mean. On the other hand, a lot of the people who will go to the animal rights, the so-called animal rights conference, are going to be people who are not doing, you know, who are like doing something else next year because, you know, they, they have a huge turnover. And, um, you know, and, and so, you know, you're not, you know, so a lot of the people, well, actually, I have to tell you, um, for the most part, the, the, the people that um, I encounter who go to the so-called animal rights conference fall into two, two buckets. One are you know one one is um, you know people who are just getting into the issue and then they they see this conference and they they decide that you know this is how they're going to um, educate themselves and and form themselves as activists and they go to the thing and then they're horrified at what they hear. I mean I I've I've gotten quite a bit of feedback over the years from people who go to this thing for the first time and they're horrified at what they hear and they think they're going to hear about animal rights and they hear about everything else but animal rights. And so, you know, th that's the first group of people. The second group of people are people who keep going to this thing year in and year out. And you could do, you could have a megaphone two inches from their face and you're not going to, 
um, you know, you're not going to to persuade them because these are people who can't think their way out of a paper bag, and um, and you know they keep going to this thing again and again and again and again, and um, you know, and and they're just not what we what we would call critical thinking people, and so you know that so, so the, that's that's the bucket of the deplorables, I guess. Uh, well, I, I wouldn't call, I wouldn't call them deplorable. Oh, okay, sorry. I would just say that they're not they're 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 not people you know who are who are critical thinking people and, oh, and, you, know, and you know also this year in california we have the onslaught of you know the redo of proposition two with hsus coming which means you know hide your wallets and r take the animals and run for your lives but uh we have again the um the the signature gathering for the ballot initiative for the prevention of cruelty to farm animals act which then again, how can I not? How can my head not explode uh, with, with something just with that name, you know? And and we have it again, uh, the the correct proposition too by what I don't know by by having a cage free egg system here in California, and um, so that's another big deal here that we have going on along with the animal rights conference in June. So uh, another reason to to rise up uh, because the deception will be really laid on thick here. Well, yes, that's right. And that's exactly what it is. It is a deception. But I think, you know, I think, um, I, you know, I, I, as I say, I, I, I actually think that, the, you know, the Animal Rights Conference in the end is really n not very effective and not very important because the serious people who go to that thing won't go again. They'll only go once and they'll say, oh, my God. Now, unfortunately, some of those people will end up falling away from the movement entirely because they'll go, they'll be, you know, they'll they'll find it um, a pretty uh, disturbing event and they'll just remove themselves. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll just decide not to have anything to do with the animal movement. So there are, you know, there are some of those people as well. But there are people who are really interested and 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 who are critical thinking people or critically thinking people and um, they'll go to this thing they'll be horrified and then eventually they'll find you know they'll find uh, uh, you know they'll find alternatives to dealing with the the happy exploitation movement or participating in the happy exploitation movement they'll do that so you know I mean I mean uh, I, I have some close friends here who were the top signature gatherers for Proposition Two. Who, who are seething, who are just so, you know, ridden with self-guilt over what they've done, you know? I mean, it's really uh, qu quite amazing. Uh, I guess they wait for, for a new crop of young people to brainwash. Sure. And, you know? sure, that's, absolutely. absolutely, that's how it thrives. But, you know, they've got, this is a business model that has been refined and tested um, over the years, and they're not going to give it up. And the only thing that we can do in the face of it is to be a clear alternative abolitionist voice and um, people will, who are being misinformed by um, what's being spouted at the animal conference um, have an alternative and a better approach. Yeah, I mean, that's why, the, the reason why we wrote um, Advocate for Animals or Advocate for Animals, however... <laughs> Ex exclamation point. Exclamation point. Advocate for Animals or... Advocate. I, I like them both. You know, I, I, I just exactly, looked at it and I said, exactly, could be exactly. either way. You know, so. exactly. Um, that uh, they're they're um, 
the reason why we wrote the book was in, in essence to sort of deal with exactly this problem. People out there who really do want to do something and don't know what to do because the the animal groups aren't giving them any useful advice and they're pretty cynical about the animal groups. And so, you know, what do you do with those people? Well, you get them involved in the abolitionist movement, but that's a grassroots movement. There is no central authority. There's, you know, and, 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 um, you know, there, there are no, there are no charities. There are no, you know, I mean, it's just not, it's not that sort of operation. And we try to get them in that way. And, and I actually think, Bob, I, I think that that is working, you know, in, in, in a, in a, in a serious way that, um, you know, more and more people are getting into this and, um, they're recognizing that this is really the only sensible way to proceed, to sort of just educate people about veganism, be clear about veganism. Um, you know, there's always going to be people who are going to say, well, you got to take baby steps. I mean, I mean, you know, we, we, we encounter them on our Facebook page all the time where people show up and say, you know, I really agree with everything you're saying, but, um, you know, but I think, you know, you ought not to be as divisive. As I, I, I think you come across as, as too extreme or too, you know. And, and, you know, you just have to say to them, look, you know, I mean, would you say that with respect to a human rights issue? If I said I was opposed to all racism and I didn't think any racism was okay, would you say that's an extreme position? Well, no, I wouldn't. Well, then why do you say that when it comes to, to animals? And so, you know, I think that there are all sorts of things that, you know, that, that, that we are making progress. We are educating people. Um, and uh, no, it's no, no doubt. I mean, actually, uh, if, if I could be positive for a moment, but. Oh, why would ugh, I hate being positive? Why would I do that? But um, no, it's uh, th things are happening. I feel it all the time. I uh, I wear my vegan sweatshirt, and people are engaging me everywhere. I was walking through San Francisco, and a park worker there uh, yelled out, "Who who's who's the vegan? You were the dog, you know." And I said, "Well, both of us." And then <laughs> then then we had a conversation for twenty minutes, and she was into it. You know, I mean, it's it's out there, people. People feel like this is what's happening because, because it's right. Actually, I mean, you know, it'll never be wrong to be vegan. It's it's as right as can be. So, and people are seeing it, you know. And I I just don't want the issue clouded. No, it's not cage free eggs. It's vegan. It's vegan. So. Yeah, we. I mean, and that's our job. Our job is to make sure it is a clear message, you know. But but. Um, so what have, you, what have you been hearing back on the book? How how are, how are the reviews from readers? What are they saying? Well, I mean, the reason that we did it is that if you're not going to follow the animal charity model where you're considered to have done your bit by making a contribution, uh, you know, to an organization that's shown you a nasty picture and said, oh, we need your money so we can fix this for you. Um, if you're not going to do that, then what do you do? And um, we've tried to make it clear to everybody that that then takes a big commitment on everybody's individual part. Everyone, it's everyone's responsibility to do their bit. No one's going to do the work in your place. So it's everyone's everyday responsibility to learn how to do abolitionist vegan advocacy. And one thing that we tried to show people in the book was the huge range of ways that you can do that. That it doesn't mean that you have to go and, you know, set up a table and talk to strangers. Some people are very good at that. Um, but it isn't appealing to a lot of people. A lot of people don't feel that they could do it or be most effective in that circumstance. And maybe that's not the most effective use of their time and talents and energies. So we've we've drawn on 
um, you know, the experience and the expertise of people who do all sorts of different things. We've given some people ideas from the way that Gary and I approach it, just talking to people. We've literally given people scripts of, you know, a way that you can have a conversation with someone, suggestions just to get people going. So um, here we are in January with a year looking forward, Bob, not looking back. And, uh, you know, trying to get people energized and confident. Abolitionist vegan education is something that you can do no matter what your circumstances, even if you don't have a lot of money, even if you don't personally have a lot of education. It's talking to people and explaining to them what you know is right on this issue. And the feedback has been fantastic. Great. So uh, let's say you're passing somebody in a supermarket aisle, and uh, do, do you have a 30-second plan? Like, what's what's your uh, shortest amount of time plan to, like, okay, if I just talk to this person for 30 seconds, let me get this out. You know what I mean? Like, do you have what's – your, what's your soundbite plan for those just ships passing in the night? The 30-second plan is anybody who indicates any interest in veganism and doesn't have time to talk, we tell them to go to the website, howdoigovegan.com. And, and you know, we have cards and we, you know, we hand, you know, we'll give them a card or, um, you know, we have pens that have howdoigovegan.com on them. And, you know, we tell them, you know, this, just go to this site, gives you all the answers you need and will not ask you for a donation. And um, and so, you know, uh, as far as, the, you know, uh, uh, uh it's very hard to shift a paradigm in 30 seconds. Um, well, you know, you there, had a good answer there. You had you had the right answer. That was well, good. There, 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 are, there are things that, you know, um, I wrote an essay uh, this past week that was on um, transformation, which is a um, uh, part of Open Democracy, which is a progressive website. I'm sure you're familiar with it. And... Um, and it's primarily British, and um, but it's a very you know a lot of progressive writers on open democracy, and um, the uh, the the guy who runs Transformation is becoming interested in the animal issue, and he's had several essays by various people, I being one of them, and basically you know I I approached it the way I often do when I'm talking to people, you know I talked about how in Britain. Um, you know, people are, uh, you know, Theresa May, who is the prime minister, uh, committed to um, an open vote on repealing the so-called ban on hunting uh, with uh, hunt, fox hunting, which is not a ban at all. But, um, you know, sh she had committed to an open vote for people to repeal the ban because there was a lot of conservative opposition to the ban. And um, and she's now abandoned that. And the reason why she's abandoned that is because the conservative party doesn't want to, uh, as a as a party, it doesn't want to be associated with the repeal of the hunting ban, which, as I mentioned a few seconds ago, is not really a ban at all, but um, doesn't want to be associated with anything which is in any way, uh, it, which is in any way going to weaken this nonsensical non-ban anyway. Um, and, and why why do you say it's not a ban at all? Well, it's not a ban at all because what it does is it 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 all it does is prevents hunting foxes with dogs. It does not stop people from shooting foxes. It doesn't stop people from using birds of prey to hunt foxes. It only it only pertains to the one way of of hunting foxes where you've got a pack of hounds. 
Um, and aren't and, there always those loopholes, the, the asterisks well, that all, you sure. know? I mean, it's just, absolutely, absolutely. And and the, the the law hasn't been the law is useless anyway because there are more hunts now than there were before the so-called ban. The you know the authorities aren't really enforcing anything. I mean, it's a, it's it's absolutely silly. However. As a as a symbolic matter, she doesn't want to have the conservatives do anything to weaken this non-ban because there is such opposition to fox hunting and because a lot of people who voted in the election last year said that they wouldn't support a candidate who was opposed to the so-called ban. And she's not an idiot. And she realizes that the country is really opposed to fox hunting. And so she doesn't want to be associated with with repealing the ban. And and so I make the point, why is this? Why do why do people and then there was some, you know, there's some statistics, case, some studies, uh, some polling that came out that indicated that, you know, really high portions of the British population are opposed to fox hunting, badger culling, dog fighting, things like that. And um, and I, I, I asked the question, why do people care? And that's you know, why why are people so so opposed to these things? Well, because they care about animals and because they think that these sorts of things are wrong. And why do they think these sorts of things are wrong? Because it involves harming animals where there's no need to do that. Even if they don't believe in animal rights, even if they don't have an animal rights position, their basic position, the basic default position of most people in Britain is that it's wrong to hurt animals if you don't have a, a, a really good reason. And, and pleasure is not a really good reason. Well, if that's your position, then you're committed to veganism because the only thing that justifies killing animals for food is palate pleasure. When there's no necessity involved, it's just a matter of palate pleasure. So, you know, th this is really common sense. And you don't really have to, you know, and, and, and I've got a tremendous response to that essay. You know, and it's over on, on um, you know, it's on my on my uh, abolitionist approach Facebook page. You can get the uh, the link to it. But it's gotten a tremendous response. But people respond to that sort of thing. You don't have to get into a complicated discussion with them about animal rights. You can. I mean, you know, there are some people who do want to talk about that. And I'm going to be writing an essay in the next couple of weeks for Open Democracy about about that as about, um, you know, uh, animal rights as well. Um but you know, in animal rights, you know, it's a very that's obviously um, the near, you know, that that's that's our position. Uh, but you don't have to get into a discussion about animal rights with people. You can really approach this and try to get them to see the logic of veganism without even getting into a complicated discussion. Sometimes it's as easy as um, saying to somebody, "Gee, you know, you really love your dog. What's the difference between your dog and the animals that you eat?" And you know what? I, as silly as it seems. Um, the overwhelming number of people out there have never really thought about that question. Sure. And, 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 and you know, and you see the reaction you get when you, you ask that question, you know. And, I mean, that's what we try what we try to do in the book is, you know, we talk about, you know, like how to advocate, you know, in terms of where you should, you know, where where to do it and what sort, you know, and, and various principles that you should employ when you're talking with people about nonviolent advocacy. But, but then we talk about, like, substantive things, you know, how, how do you... How, how do you how do you start conversations? And we talk about you know the, talking about unnecessary suffering, talking about animals they love. I mean, there's always a story. You know, you're gonna this weekend. CNN has got the, they've been hyping this uh, show called Trophy, in which they're gonna. I, I assume it's about trophy hunting. And um, you know the the the, um, the 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 
promotion for the thing. I, I think that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And um, and so you're gonna, there's gonna, it's gonna be controversial. It's gonna generate lots and lots of controversy, and people are gonna say, oh, it's really horrible what they're doing to these rhinoceros. You know, the, the you know shooting the, you know the rhinoceros or the lion or the elephant. Those are horrible. And you know, so there'll be a zillion opportunities because a lot of people will watch that. It's on Sunday night. A lot of people will watch that, and they'll be horrified by it. And the, and they'll talk to you about it because it's particularly if they know you have anything to do with animals or any concern about animals. You know, it's the first thing they always say is, "Well, I I saw that I saw that show last night. It was all horrible. I was really horrified." It, every time somebody says that to you, um, it, it's an opportunity to say, "Why? I mean, why were you upset by that?" Well, because they shouldn't kill those animals. Well, why not? Well, because it's just wrong. You know, they're doing it for sport. They're doing it for pleasure. Do you? Are you a vegan? No. Well, but what's your reason then? You know, I mean, it's just because you like the taste, right? I mean, how, how is that any, you know, I, I mean, their pleasure, you know, they get pleasure from shooting animals. You get pleasure from eating them. You know, would it be, you know, would, I mean, w- what's the difference? And, you know, you can really get people, I mean, obviously you shouldn't be saying to the person, you know, well, you're no better than they are. And, you know, you're an idiot and they're idiots. And, you know, I mean, that's not the way to have the conversation. But, but when somebody expresses concern, to say, well, why are you concerned? And then show them that their own concern leads them in the direction of being vegan. Mm-hmm. It's really quite. It's really quite simple. It's it, one thing, obviously, that people need to think about is that if you're not, um, if you're not protest, you, you have an objection to what people are doing, but you're not in a protest. You're not in a street protest. You're not yelling at them. You're not calling them names. You're not asking for a donation. You're not putting them on the spot like that. You're not doing any of the things that will push them away from you and make them defensive. Then just one-on-one, person-to-person, you can get a conversation going in, in situations where you might be surprised that you can get a conversation going. You know, the checkout line at the supermarket, is fertile ground. Uh, it happens to me all the time, especially sure. because I'm always holding Daisy. So sure, you know, we, 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 uh, absolutely. And you know, people approach you, and um, as you're saying, Bob, and start conversations. It's not always you starting the conversation. So just learn how to engage someone quickly. I tell you, t- if, I, if I wear my vegan sweatshirt I, all huh? day long, all day long, people are talking to me everywhere. Yeah. You know, I, mean, I, you know Bob, I, I actually, I actually, you know, I, I, I'm not a guy. I don't wear, um, you know, uh, uh, t-shirts with or sweatshirts with um, slogans on them. I just, I never have. Um, well, I don't consider vegan a slogan. <laughs> well, I, you, you, know, you understand? I, I generally don't. I don't wear word. I don't wear clothing with words. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, but I'm I'm rethinking that because I think it isn't. You oh. know. All the time, I can't tell you, everywhere I go, I mean, if I have a vegan cap on, vegan t-shirt, vegan sweatshirt, everybody is engaging me. You know, I mean, it's real. It's all the time. I mean, people are really interested in talking about it, you know. I mean, from, from them saying, you know, like, wow, I, I know this is like really the trend now, isn't it? You know, I mean, they're, they're feeling it and they want to talk about it. They, they want to talk about it, you know. Absolutely. And, and, and having, having the word... You know, really, it, it everywhere I go, everywhere I go. So, yeah. So we're works. getting, we're getting. You know, the book's only been out since December twelfth, and um, you know, and it's it's available on Amazon. And um, you know, we're not we're not 
you know, doing a marketing campaign or anything. I mean, not like these organizations that you know that do books and then spend their uh, spend a good chunk of money on uh, on promoting the books. We're not doing that. Um, and the well, book well, is selling. This is here. Here's your grassroots marketing campaign right, right. now, right here. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And the, the people who listen to the show are the people who want to read the book. And we're getting really, really good reactions from people. Um, and got a got a, uh, a message yesterday from somebody who just wrote an absolutely fantastic um, message to us, and I just said, please put this on Amazon, will you? You know, I'm, I'm glad you're telling me, but please put it on Amazon. I mean, it really, we're getting tremendous, tremendous responses from people. Excellent. Uh, so, you know, I, I think you were supposed to send me a free copy or something, or something well, for will, Kindle will, or something. So, I will, I will send you. Um, the the issue was whether or not. You you will well. Would you prefer a paperback copy, Bob? No, 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 no. I, oh. I, I don't mind. The, I'm I'm pretty modern these days, you know. So I, you're, I, 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 I have a radio station, a, a music station on the internet. I'm I'm pretty modern, you know. All right, so you're you're okay with a Kindle copy? Yeah, yeah. Fine. Yeah. Well, I will. As soon as we finish up tonight, I will I will um, get you a Kindle copy, and and then you can you know. I, it, it, one of the things I'm really um, happy with is. Um, we did a chapter on how to advocate in low-income communities because, um, you know, there the, the animal movement has really been horrible about that um, in terms of paying attention to, to lower-income communities because those people don't donate. And so, you know, or at least they, they, they're not seen as fertile donation grounds. And so, um, you know, they don't get a whole lot of attention. And to the extent that you have the, quote, intersectionalists, end quote, out there, most of those people um, blow a lot of smoke and don't, don't actually do anything in those communities. Um, and maybe some do, but uh, certainly <laughs> many don't. Uh, they pontificate, but they don't do anything. And we've been um, working with low-income communities now for a number of years. And so we, we talk about the various things that people can do to help um, get healthier food into uh, lower income communities and um, and the you know the 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 various we discussed the programs that are available um, at least right now before the government destroys them all and uh, we talk about you know we talk about um, advocacy in low income communities and that's something that really needs to be focused on more hasn't been focused on enough hasn't been focused on at all really not sure, many I mean people. everyone needs to get up to speed with a clear abolitionist vegan message but um, also, depending on the circumstances, we may need to do our homework in terms of offering some assistance and follow-up and back-up in, in terms of just the practical things that people might confront while they're, when they're de deciding to um, change their diet and other aspects of their life. Um, if uh, if the, the vegan, abolitionist vegan message has taken hold, so people face different practical problems. Um, so a little bit of homework on our part can really make a difference in terms of um, easing that transition and reassuring people that it's not going to be a difficult change, that it's going to be a change for the better. Um, I hear a young lady in the background there. Yes, yeah, she's, she's agreeing. She's, she's agreeing. Oh, <laughs> the off. Yeah, she said everybody off now, so okay. Yeah. The whole neighborhood, everybody. Okay, yeah. Everybody's excited about the book. Um, yes. So, so, and, and and what are the two names of the book again? The the two <laughs> names of the book: Advocate for Animals! Exclamation point or 
advocate for animals! Uh, exclamation point. An abolitionist vegan handbook. And it's available uh, on, um, on, on Amazon. And you can get it in either Kindle or in, um, in paperback. And um, you know we're we're really we're really happy with it. We're really happy. I mean, the with Kindle it. idea is a very good one, I think, especially for a book like this, because you know when you can grab a few minutes when you're at work or or um, commuting or whatever, you can just find something that oh that that takes my fancy. I could do that, um, or I could refine my skills, or I could learn um, a way to um, be more confident when I speak to people and get this message out. So. Um, I'm optimistic that we're all going to be better better advocates for animals in the coming year. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think, you know, um uh, we do try we do we do discuss a number of different approaches. We do we do talk about how to talk about rights, you know, because that's complicated and everybody thinks they have to have a law degree or a philosophy degree to talk about rights. No, you don't. It's a simple concept, really. Um and we try to explain that and explain, you know, why, why you, you shouldn't have any anxiety about dealing with these concepts. That they're pretty, they're pretty straightforward um, uh, and 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 pretty easily understandable concepts. And people just need to sort of have confidence, and they need to. But they also, you know, it also involves an act of will. I mean, people, if people really think this is an important issue, then and they really care about animals, they they need to, they need to, they need to become part of the movement. They need, you know, they need to stop thinking that the movement is. That there are leaders, and you know that they can support the leaders, but they've got you know, but 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 you know the leaders are going to do the work. We've all got to do the work. Everybody's everybody's got to be a leader. So it's either nobody's a leader or everybody's a leader. I don't really care how you look at it, but um, but you know, I I tend to you know like the idea that everybody's got to be a leader. Everyone's got to take initiative. Everyone's got to get into this and and put effort into it. And you know, is it easy for some people? It's not. But you know, is uh, and there. But there's there's something that everybody can do. You know, and so if there's certain content, you know, certain situations in which you're not 100% comfortable, there are other situations where you will be more comfortable. And, um, you know, and everybody will be comfortable in talking with their friends and, and, and colleagues and, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever circles they move in. Um, you know, I mean, if, you, if you're not comfortable talking to your friends, then you should get more friends or different friends. <laughs> no, uh, also, it's, you're right about that in some ways, but it's also that you've got to do it even if you're not 100% comfortable because this really isn't about whether we feel like, do, feel like doing it or not. Um, you know, we, as Gary always says, we're not the ones um, suffering in the food chain. Um, right. uh, I've been uncomfortable for the past 17 years. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so, so what if you don't feel comfortable? So what if you're a bit embarrassed? So what if someone says something rude back to you? You'll live. It's okay. And you go and do it again and you find a more receptive person. And most people are receptive and interested and grateful for the information. So, And, and no, uh, ma no matter how uncomfortable we are, I mean, the, the animals are always much more uncomfortable, uh, alive right. or dead, you know? That's or, right. Um, that's right. That's right. So that's, you know, and, and that's that's really what we're doing with the book. And as I say, I'm, I'm happy with it. I think it's working well. Uh, it's getting a good reception. Um, and, um, you know, but, but the thing we want to, you know, the, the sort of feedback we want is, you know, people read it and say, you know, this is really helping me. This is really getting me. I'm doing things now. I didn't do them before. Uh, we got that reaction, um, uh, to a considerable degree with eat like you care. The first, the, the first of these three, you know, the, these three sort of practical advocacy books, 
um, that we did, Eat Like You Care, uh, Animal Rights, the Abolitionist Approach, and Advocate for Animals, or Advocate for Animals. Um, <laughs> and, um, and you know, the, these these three books are sort of geared to a, an activist audience. They are, they're not academic books. They're not, in, you know, I mean, they, they, I, I, I believe and trust that they are... Um, that they are written in an intellectually sound way, but they're not intended to, you know, be, um, you know, philosophy books. They're intended to be uh, manuals for critical, uh, you know, for, for, for practical advocacy. And um, and we, we got a, a great deal of positive response about Eat Like You Care, people saying, you know, I've been trying to figure out how to talk to people for years, and this book has really helped me to do that. And and I think this book's going to do that actually even more um, because it really is about. I mean, we give lots of examples of discussions to, so that people can see, you know, how these things can unfold and the sorts of things that they can expect. And most of those examples, as a matter of fact, I think substantially all of them are things that you know are are, are discussions we've had with people, you know, and and. Um, uh, I mean, Anna and I will have, you know, we'll have a, you know, we'll do uh, some event and, you know, we'll get questions afterwards or during the, during the event or, you know, or people come up afterwards, we have discussions with them. Then we go home, we take notes about, you know, about the, the things that, you know, the, the, the exchanges we've had with people because we, we, we're always so intrigued with, you know, how people think and how, how we can get them to think in a different way. And, um, you know, and I, I think we just have to, there's a there's a tendency on the part of these welfarist people to sort of you know think that well if you try to talk to people about these ideas they're going to be you know you're going to upset them or they're you know it's too extreme or whatever and the answer is no it's not I mean people really understand this stuff you know I mean when somebody's talking to you about well I'm really upset that they shot this lion and this lion is you know you know blah 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 I shouldn't have shot the lion. And, you know, you start saying, well, what's the difference between the lion and, and the chicken, you know? And, well, you know, one's endangered and one's, okay, fine. So if the lion's not endangered, if there are lots of lions, you wouldn't object to what this person's doing? Well, no, no, I would. Well, why would you object? Well, because it's just not necessary. People ought not to do that. So, well, why isn't it necessary? It's necessary for them. It's how they, how they enjoy themselves. Well, but you shouldn't kill, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't kill something just because you enjoy killing that something. And the answer is, bingo, that's it. That's the whole point, you know, that, that enjoyment is not enough. You recognize that, right? Well, then why aren't you a vegan? And, I, and, and, and the book also talks at considerable length about how we as advocates have done a bad job of, ed, of educating people about nutrition. If you tell people that they have a moral obligation to eat cyanide, you're not going to get very far. You know, I mean, you know, ought implies can, you know, as philosophers say, ought, you know, to say that you someone ought to do something is to imply that they can, as a practical matter, do it. And if you're advocating something which is going to harm them physically, you're not going to get very far. And so uh, what we need to do is to educate people about the fact that uh, veganism is, there is nobody, there are lots of people who say that a vegan diet is more healthy than a non-vegan diet, but there is nobody that says that a vegan diet is, a sound vegan diet, obviously you're just eating iceberg lettuce, but a sound vegan diet, no one's going to say a sound vegan diet is any less healthy 
than uh, you know a, a non-vegan diet, and that's really what you need to educate people about. Is you oh, know, so so, I, so, uh, so Gary, have I have a um, a new sponsor who who came onto the show. I know that in itself is totally shocking that there would be a sponsor on Go Vegan Radio, but um, it's a life insurance company um, that gives uh, it, it gives lower rates to vegans. And it has a lot of the statistics on its website and a and a vegan quiz there. And so I should mention, you know, I mean, this I feel confirms a lot of what I've been saying over the years, and actually what you're saying right now. I mean, to have a life insurance agency giving lower special rates to vegans, and it's it's basing it, it it's you know science data. Um, so, so people can go to healthiq.com slash GVR, as in Go Vegan Radio, healthiq.com slash GVR, and just check out, you know, the statistics on what, what, what they're basing these lower rates. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's confirming so much of, of what we said, and, and it, it goes by, you look at this, related to diabetes, look at this cancer, look at this heart disease. There's a lot of, lot of information there. Um, and, you know, you, you don't have companies throwing money around if uh, they don't feel like they're, you know, they're, 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 they're based in, uh, well, they feel they're based in sound science and data. On, on yeah, well, I mean, look, Kaiser Permanente, which is a huge insurance uh, organization, recommends, you know, a vegan diet. Um, and I think, you know, but we need to do a better job of, you know, we ought not to be engaging in practicing nutritional counseling unless we have degrees in that. And, you know, we certainly ought not to be practicing medicine unless we have degrees in that. But we can be pointing people to sources, uh, government sources and professional organizations, all of which unanimously say that you don't need animal products. And many of which say you're probably better off not having them at all. I mean, look, look at going to the information from Dr. Esselstyn, Dr. Caldwell right. Esselstyn, related to heart disease. I mean, it's, he, he says he says nobody has to, nobody ever has to get heart disease except for uh, diet, and he's been associated with the Cleveland Clinic, and you know he he brings people off their deathbeds and keeps them alive. I I, I had that experience a few years ago. The owner of uh, the station that carried my show in Southern California, KCAA, was on his deathbed. He was 300 pounds. And I said to him, you know, look, maybe, you know, I'm, I'm put in front of you here, Fred, just to give you some information on going vegan. I'm not going to tell you how to do it, but just go to the website of, of Dr. Esselstyn. And he did it, and he's still alive today. He, he was supposed to die in weeks. No, yeah, I mean, it, it, it turned his whole life around, actually. Also, but the other side of that is that I try to reassure people that this is not going to open that you now don't have to become a super nutritionist and stuff. I mean, if you're interested in nutrition before, you can be interested in vegan nutrition now. And obviously, we all need to do the afternoon's research that it takes to make sure that we're having a complete and wholesome diet. But um, one thing that we try to do is is uh, given the sort of information that's on the How Do I Go Vegan site, um, uh, Professor Francis McCormick set, set up a great, what, what do you do on your first week when you're trying to get into the groove here so that you don't think you have to spend it cooking strange stuff, 
and buying strange stuff and eating stuff that's unfamiliar. You know, inexpensive, easy choices for what you eat tonight when you've had a long day at work and you want to grab something and the hamburger isn't an option anymore. It's things that are probably in your kitchen, that are probably in your local supermarket or your local corner store or your local farmer's market so that it's not strange and different unless you want it to be. You know, you might take off and and really become a great vegan cook and do excursions into a you know different sorts of cuisines but it might just be the stuff that you can choose from the the um, shelves of your regular supermarket tonight so that if you make the the ethical decision you've got practical backup because it's no good just spraying um you know pe- people with with an idea that they find too difficult too challenging to make the transition now while the thinking is still hot after your discussion. So I think that's really important for people to do. Have help and assistance right there, particularly referring them so easily to a website like How Do I Go Vegan, which covers all the initial bases, so that they can see, oh, yeah, I can be the same person. It's not going to take over my life. It's not going to be expensive. It's not going to be difficult. I can be vegan because we can all be vegan. Uh, Frances has done a great job. She's really clever, and she's um, done a great job of um, simplifying. As a matter of fact, I, 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 I'm going to try to get Frances to do a book on this because I think she's just – she's got a real knack. Um, you know, she's very talented in, in sort of figuring out – um, how to do really easy, cheap vegan? I mean, I mean, she makes it really super simple. I mean, she makes it beyond simple, and and um, things that your kids will find exactly, appealing exactly. and that they can take to school or they can take on their trip or something like yeah. that. Also, just to make veganism an, an you know something that adds to your life, not that something that makes it difficult or bankrupts you. It's it's an it's an easy transition when you have the information. And for people who, because of physical challenge or age, whether old or young, or lack of resources or just the community that they live in, face particular challenges, then we all have a responsibility to go that extra mile to help people, both with information and practical help too, to make that transition. Well, great. Um, I guess uh, next time you're in touch with Frances, uh, let her know. Uh, I'd like to have her on the show to talk about. Uh, that's wonderful. I'll talk about it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, I, I I think that's great because she she real. It's Frances, in addition to being um, uh, a uh, a very impressive scholar um, in in, uh, in literature. Um, She's also, I mean, her her talent with this vegan stuff, uh, you know, with 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 vegan cuisine, it, it's actually quite um, it's quite impressive. I mean, I, I, I practical yeah. every, day to day, yeah. inexpensive. How do we bring this into everybody's Frances life? Francis makes it simple. She just makes it unbelievably simple and cheap. I mean, a, a, anybody can afford. I mean, you know, it, I. I she she does these dinners for like you know she she can she she's got a whole series of things you know a whole series of really appetizing things that you can do for you know like three dollars for your whole family sort of thing I mean it's amazing I mean and we've done a whole bunch of them and we've we've tried a whole bunch of them and they're really good like what uh, like what 
I don't know, like like lentil. I mean, look, you can do wonders with a bag of lentils and some spices, and you know, and it costs you nothing. And you know, I mean, you know, if you soak the lentils, it doesn't take you take you long to cook them either. Um, but you know, she's 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 just got she's got a lot of different recipes. They're over on HowDoIGoVegan.com. And and she's just got a lot of recipes where, you know, basically, you know, you can do something in a half an hour and it costs like three dollars to feed your family. And it's really very good and very nutritious. Um, you know, she's got a bunch of she's got a lot of bean dishes, um, you know, a lot of, um, you know, uh, she's, she's got a lot of different sorts of dishes. I mean, I, anything you could possibly want, different sorts of, you know, spicy things, non spicy things. Um, you know, she, you can you could cook in your college, you know, yeah, situation on your hot if, plate. If, you, if you're <laughs> living in, you know, not a very uh, a glamorous apartment and you've got a hot plate, you can make one of Francis's dinners, you know, and it's 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 important that we do that. I mean, that we have this somewhat irritating foodie culture, don't we? Um, but there are lots of people who will benefit from the fact that if you remind them that tonight you can open a can of tomatoes and a can of beans and a dash of commonly available seasoning and a potato that you can you know bake in your microwave hey there's dinner you may not may not want to eat it every single night but you shouldn't be eating burgers every night either so it's it's the practical things what do i eat tonight if i decide to become vegan now which is what we're encouraging people to do not the silly baby steps go vegan now i think you need to be able to hand somebody and francis has, has worked up um, the 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 initial week of suggestions into a trifle into a fly you can hand someone the 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 practical assistance that they need to to ease it make you know to the, make the practical changes once you've made the important decision to go vegan now i mean this is not a francis recipe this is just something you know um we, we're trying to cut out oil because you know i mean i don't think oil is very healthy and um and so we try to you know we try to not consume it and you know we've been buying hummus which has got oil in it and so i just decided you know i i i went to the store i got you know some cans of beans, organic, non-BPA lining beans, 99 uh, line bean, uh, beans for 99 cents a, a can. And I got some garbanzos and cannellinis. I threw them in the Vitamixer with, um, you know, some pumpkin seeds um, and and um, and some, some Bragg's amino acids and some uh, uh, horseradish. And it cost, you know, I mean... 99 cents a can, you know, and I made a huge amount with like four or five cans of, of stuff, you know, that, that, you know, we've been eating for lunch for the past three days. Um, and it's really very nutritious and, you know, it's, it's, it's got a lot. I mean, it, it it's so there's your sandwich to take to work. Exactly. There you can stick it on your baked potato when you come at home at night with some sort of fresh thing on the side and it's inexpensive. It's cheaper than the meat alternatives or the dairy alternatives. And um, with half an hour's thinking and preparation, you've got half of your meals for the week. Yeah, I mean, I made that hummus in literally what? We, we were like timing it, like right. tw 12 minutes right. from start to finish. And I think that included washing the Vitamixer. But I mean, it was like, it took no time at all. And it was it's really good. I mean, it's really good. You know, you, as, as Anna says, you can put it on bread. You can put it on baked potatoes. You can put it on whatever the hell you want to put it on. But, I mean. You can also make it if you don't have the spiffy micro, uh, exactly. mixer. If you've right. got the 
the thing that you mash your potatoes with, you can make it that. Yeah, exactly. So it's, exactly. you can make it as cheaply, quickly, um, as easily as as you can. Mm-hmm. I tend to uh, mash garbanzo beans and, uh, oops, I'm guilty because... Veginase has oil, but oh, Veginase tastes so good. So if you, if you mash Veginase, uh, if you mash garbanzo beans with Veginase, onions, <laughs> celery, a little bit of sea salt, and maybe cayenne pepper, squeeze of lemon, it is the most delicious yep. ever. <laughs> Sandwich, dip, I mean, people go yeah. crazy over it. And, you know, they, yeah. they think I'm this gourmet chef, and it's like, well, to tell you the truth, I mean, it's like... <laughs> you know, yeah. a couple of minutes, and it's the most delicious thing. This, that's why the uh, Seventh Day Adventists loved me so much uh, years ago. When, uh, well, they heard me quote Genesis one twenty nine, and they said, "We've never heard that on the radio. We got, we have to meet you. Come to our church." And I brought them this garbanzo bean dip, and they loved me forever. I had to cook for them at events because, you know. <laughs> Well, we sort of have a running joke in our kitchen. You know, you put four ingredients uh, together, and ten minutes later, you've got a oh, it's so hard to be vegan dinner. Right, right, right. That's that's the whole thing with, with a vegan. Whatever's in your kitchen, whatever falls over on what's next to it, yeah. that's the recipe. You know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. Cho- chocolate broccoli. Okay, <laughs> terrific. Why not? You know, like you know. We made a, we made a tomato soup. You know, an onion, some garlic, some some uh, you know oregano. Boiled it up, put a can of tomatoes in, and you know, and some Bragg's aminos, and it was delicious. It's, I mean, and, and tomato soup is actually is really very good for you. No oil. Uh, the only sodium in it is the Bragg's aminos, and you don't have to put a lot of those in. Um, and it's very healthy. Um, and it took like you know, again, you know, from start to finish, what you know, twenty five minutes or something. It was delicious. Right. You just uh, check out the produce department, the bulk bins, and some of the you know, canned uh, beans or whatever. And, uh, exactly. It's easy. It's so easy to be a vegan, it's ridiculous. You know, and I, I do a lot of uh, yams and sweet potatoes, and you know, they wind up getting mashed up with the beans, and, you know, it's all, it's all good. So, and, you know, I, and it's surprising what a little, like you say, brags or a little sea salt and, and a little pepper, cayenne pepper, you know, just... The basics, you know, make you know, it's all just so delicious. You know, you get to to taste, you know, like real food. You know, it's like unbelievable. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, but right. I will mention this to Frances because I think you should have her on because she's she's very very talented. Actually, I mean, I, I she's got an in, intuitive um, sort of feel for this stuff, and she's just she's very good. Great. And um, mm-hmm. anyway, well, listen, we will we will uh, talk with you next week. Okay, sounds and, like a plan. It sounds like a plan, and uh, don't let the egg welfareists get you down. Yeah, exactly. Bob. They're, they're not exactly. getting me down; they're getting me to rise up. You know, so. don't, let the, don't let the don't let the egg pimps get you upset. Yeah, it's we just need like, to just you know, leave them in the dust. Yeah, and get out there and do abolitionist vegan advocacy. Yeah, yeah. Right. Advocate for animals! Exclamation point! Become an advocate for animals! Exclamation point! Okay. Uh, anyway, all right. Okay. We'll talk, we'll
with Bob Linden at GoVeganRadio.com. Listener supported. Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. If you are a listener, please support us with a tax-deductible donation at GoVeganRadio.com. You can find the donate button there. Or you can make your check payable to Go Vegan Radio and mail it to P.O. Box 475-414, San Francisco, California, 94147. That's P.O. Box 475-414, San Francisco, 94147. You can also support us through Patreon, and that info is on the website at GoVeganRadio.com. We're on Twitter, at GoVeganRadio, where I am uh, in a war of words with the uh, so-called animal charities who campaign for cage-free eggs. This radio program campaigns against cage-free eggs. And if you think that's important, uh, show some love, make a donation. Uh, help us uh, keep on keeping on in the uh, fight for veganism and against uh, infiltration of the animal rights movement by the egg industry and by the ranchers. So uh, we're here. Uh, we're here for the animals, basically. That's that's why we're here. That's why we're here for 17 years. So um, it was a commitment that I made. Really, I thought the the show would last two or three weeks. Basically, you know, we started on KRLA in Los Angeles, and I thought if the management and ownership of the station heard what we were discussing, uh, you know, the folks would figure out that we are uh, perhaps uh, insulting <laughs> most of the advertisers on the station. But uh, luckily, they never listened to the show, so they just let us keep on keeping on as long as we paid for airtime, and that's how it's been. Um, Right from the start, we have had to pay for airtime. Back when I was a program director in radio, uh, we uh, saw as ourselves as our, ourselves as public trustees, and we had to put on program in the public interest. We actually went out into the community and took notes from different community leaders and uh, attempted to um, put on significant, uh, meaningful uh, public affairs programming. Uh, but once consolidation of the media happened, thanks to Bill Clinton and Al Gore, and uh, ownership became limited to the very few, um, out the window went uh, the public trustee part, and it's like, you got some money, you can get on the air. So that's the way we've had to do it. Right from the start, right from uh, when we went on the air in January of 2001 as the very first vegan program ever in commercial media. We had to come up with money to pay for it. Then we had to pay the San Francisco station uh, that put us on KYCY, the CBS affiliate there. We had to pay Air America when we were on the Air America radio network. Uh, we were probably the only paying client on Air America. That's why it went out of uh, business. Hard to believe I was on the same network as people like Al Franken and Rachel Maddow. And where are they today? Yeah. Certainly not uh, addressing the, the vegan cause. So if you would like to support a hot and sexy vegan fashion line, go to sonusdenim.com. Sonus that says uh, S is in strawberry, O is in onion, N as in nut, A is in apple, S is in strawberry. Sonusdenim.com. Uh, the jeans are made with uh, uniquely made with 50 patches of denim here in sunny, uh, wildfire-choked, uh, drought-stricken California. 
Um, and so you can get great looking denim. Also, yoga pants for men and women from sanasdenim.com. And visit possumswelcome.org to learn about an animal sanctuary in the making. Uh, this nonprofit is seeking coastal land for a farm animal sanctuary with a vision including a vegan cafe, a five room bed and breakfast. Uh, weekly seminars on being vegan, veganic farming, and cooking, and yoga. And uh, if you uh, feel like you can get involved, want to get involved and help make the dream come true, visit possumswelcome.org. Possumswelcome.org. You can email Christine at possumswelcome.org. And uh, once again, uh, oh, there goes the screen. Come back, come back, come back. Um, I should remind you. I should remind you to uh, donate to the show, shouldn't I? Or have I uh, mentioned that enough? You tired of hearing about that today? I mean, but I mean, this is the most important program in all of the media. I mean, who else uh, can save your your children's health? Who else? Who else? Who else is here to save the animals and save the planet? As this is one of the only places where you will ever hear that animal agriculture is the number one cause of climate change, responsible for at least 51% of human-generated greenhouse gas emissions. Now, I've had an exchange this week with the Citizens Climate Lobby, um, and you can see that on my Facebook page. Um, Citizens Climate Lobby says, you know, Bob, we are very... I'm not quoting here, I'm just uh, remembering off the top of my head, saying, you know, Bob, we are well aware of the dietary impact on uh, the environment, and that's what, you know, we have a lot of volunteers who are vegan or vegetarian, and we serve plant-based uh, meals that are functions or something to that effect. So anyway, um, non-vegan vegetarian uh doesn't quite cut it if we're talking about dairy and cows and burps and farts and methane well just listen to last week's program with dr mike hudak uh with all of those mind-blowing uh revelations about the impact of methane so a, a non-vegan vegetarian really like so i think citizens climate lobby don't doesn't quite understand that and plus if animal agriculture is the number one cause of climate change as we were told by the world's top climate specialists dr robert goodland and jeff anhang uh goodland was the first climate advisor to the world bank he was the climate advisor to the world bank for like a couple of decades and uh you know goodland said that you know it's the number one cause and the the only solution before it's too late is a population shift to vegan so it's not an alternative energy infrastructure which would take 20 years and 35 trillion dollars it is you going vegan and it is you helping as many people as you can go vegan as quickly as possible because that's the only way to save us from climate change and none of the environmental groups want to um, recognize that or address it. So really, what, what's the point? Who cares if somebody is a climate denier? Uh, if, uh, if, if there are people who are concerned about climate change, but they deny the solution. You know, it's not a carbon tax. It's 
that that won't do it it's not an alternative energy infrastructure it's going vegan just everybody's afraid uh to get behind the real solution here so all of the environmental groups are really against the environment they're what you know what are they doing to to save us from climate change i mean look at the impact of veganism and water consumption resource depletion habitat destruction i mean it's just deforestation I mean, if you're an environmentalist, you have to be vegan. If you if you're serious about climate change, you have to be vegan, and you, and you you don't have to depend on anybody else for the solution. You don't have to. It's not the politicians. It's not the corporations. It's you. You have to go vegan. Um, and you know, look at the impact. Uh, I look at live science. It says the ocean is suffocating, and it's our fault. It's, you know, I mean. Well, everything is our fault because of the meat, dairy, fish, and egg consumption. Um, it says ocean dead zones, regions of the sea where oxygen is uh, severely or entirely depleted and most forms of life can't survive, are becoming more numerous. And scientists uh, warn that they will continue to increase unless we curb the factors driving global climate change which is fueling this alarming shift in ocean chemistry do you remember uh what we discussed earlier uh, as to what the number one cause of climate change is okay so whatever's happening in the ocean right here meat dairy fish and egg consumption okay it says uh, even outside these near lifeless ocean regions rising global temperatures and influxes would that be correct influxes or influxes my latin all right we'll go with influxes here so it says uh even outside these uh near lifeless ocean regions rising global temperatures and influxes of nutrient pollution are throttling oxygen levels in the uh, open ocean and in coastal areas threatening communities of sea life around the world uh, that's what your meat dairy fish and egg consumption is doing by the way uh, I'm not blaming you I'm just asking you to take responsibility all right I'm blaming you uh, it says uh, the sobering view of the suffocating ocean was described in a new study published online on january 4th in the journal science the study is the first to present such a comprehensive evaluation of ocean oxygen depletion and its causes and less oxygen in the ocean doesn't just spell trouble for marine plants and animals it could carry serious repercussions for life on land as well, the researchers cautioned. So, uh, it says, while water molecules contain oxygen atoms, liquid water must also contain dissolved oxygen in order for fish and other organisms to breathe. Oxygen-deprived dead zones were first identified in estuaries, bodies of water, where rivers flow into the sea in the mid 19th century and their oxygen uh, depletion was linked to the presence of urban sewage in the water uh, 
let's see. Uh, okay, so lead study author uh, Denise uh, Breitberg, uh, a marine ecologist with the Smithsonian Environmental Research Center, told Life Science in an email. Um, Since then, growth of industrial and agricultural activity, of course, it's that agricultural runoff, too, isn't it? That's uh, such a major pollutant of our waterways. I mean, you know, meat, dairy, fish, and egg consumption, it's it's just the, the pollutant, the disaster that just keeps on destroying, isn't it? You know, just keeps on destroying your body, keeps on destroying the, the body of the planet here. Um, since then, growth of industrial and agricultural activity has disrupted the ocean's chemical balance with regions in many areas worldwide becoming infused with pollutants and nutrients that starve the water of oxygen. Meanwhile, rising global temperatures hamper oxygen's solubility in water and restricts distribution into the deeper ocean. At the same time, some forms of marine life have grown increasingly stressed due to warmer and more acidic oceans, which increase uh, their oxygen requirements. So it says it's a global investigation, a team of scientists from the Global Ocean Oxygen Network, uh, or that would be Goon, wouldn't it? Global Ocean Oxygen Network, Goon, uh, a group uh, formed by the United Nations Intergovernmental Oceanographic Commission in 2016, conducted the investigation, and they found that the um, toll on Earth's oceans has been significant. Over the past 50 years, the ocean suffered a loss of about 85 billion tons of oxygen affecting an accumulated area approximately the size of the European Union. Globally, the amount of zero oxygen ocean water has quadrupled while the area occupied by low oxygen zones has increased by 10 times, the researchers discovered, um, in coastal areas and seas that are semi-enclosed once low oxygen conditions are established they can persist for thousands of years according to the study Uh, it says if we lost 4.5 million square kilometers of protective area on land everyone would be appalled Breitberg said in a statement but What happens beneath the surface in the ocean is out of sight and easy to either uh, not notice or ignore. As oxygen levels in water drop, the behavior and growth of fish and other ocean organisms uh, is affected. Uh, It says here, I'm quoting, a lack of oxygen can make uh, them more susceptible to disease or uh, make it more difficult to reproduce. In extreme cases, they can suffocate. So, all right, uh, isn't that uh, isn't that nice? What what the effects of meat, dairy, fish, and eggs are. So let me see here. So we are suffocating the ocean, and uh, 
not only is the ocean suffocating, but the ocean is sinking. So we got a sinking, suffocating ocean, and it's it's all our fault. It's we we don't take responsibility. You know, we never take responsibility, right? It's like we say we're taking responsibility, but uh, it's all it's all words. You know, the ocean is sinking. It says the bottom of the ocean again in life science. The bottom of the ocean is more of a sunken place than it used to be. So it says in recent decades, melting ice sheets and glaciers driven by climate change are swelling Earth's oceans. And along with uh, all that water comes an unexpected consequence. The weight of the additional liquid is pressing down on the seafloor causing it to sink who would have thought about that right like we're, we're all such brilliant scientists but uh was anybody thinking like you know there's going to be a lot of a lot more melted ice a lot you know a lot more water wonder what will happen oh the ocean floor will sink huh? it says consequently uh, measurements and predictions of sea level rise may have been incorrect since 1993 so please let me apologize. Well, the show's only been on since 2001, so maybe I've been uh, only incorrect since 2001. But all of these scientists have been uh, incorrect since 1993, underestimating the growing volume of water in the oceans due to the receding bottom, according to that new study. Scientists have long known that Earth's crust or outer layer is elastic, Earlier, research revealed how Earth's surface warps in response to tidal movements that uh, redistribute masses of water. And 2017's Hurricane Harvey dumped so much water on Texas that the ground dropped 0.8 tenths of an inch, uh, the Atlantic reported. In the new investigation, researchers looked at more long-term impacts on the seafloor. They evaluated how much the shape of the ocean bottom may have changed between 1993 and 2014, taking into account the amount of water added to the ocean from liquid formerly locked up on land as ice. Previous research into Uh, Seafloor stretching had uh, omitted that that extra water, the scientists uh, wrote in the study. Okay, so to do that study, uh, to do that study, we need uh, Stuyvesant High School students, that math and science high school where I went and and tried out for the football team. And, and realized, well, what am I doing in math and science? I was more English, more, more uh, interested in English and Spanish. And Anyway, so uh, it says about this study, it says to do that, they uh, reviewed approximations of mass loss of land as ice melted and drained into the oceans and uh, compared that uh, to estimates of sea volume changes. They found that around the world for two decades, ocean basins deformed in average of 0.004 inches, 0.1 millimeter per year, with a total deformation, is it deformation or deformation, um, of uh, 0.08 inches. 
Let me see what else here. Uh, it says uh, whatever result of uh, satellite assessments. Satellite assessments couldn't tell that the ocean floor was sinking. So anyway, all right. So we're sinking the ocean. It's suffocating. Um, and uh, once again, the only solution is going vegan. The solution to all our problems. We have to go vegan. Um, that's all I can say. Please go vegan. I guess that'll do it for this week's program. And a wonderful program it was, I must say. Our thanks to Professors Gary Francione and Anna Charlton. And to Stephen Shore of The Real Truth About Health. And again, uh, let me uh, invite you to support this program now commemorating its 17th anniversary as the first vegan show ever in mainstream America in the, in the Mitia. 17 years now. We started back in January of uh, 2001. If you've been meaning to make a donation but, but putting it off, putting it off, you know, you've put it off and to the point that the kids have gone to college already. Okay, you wanted to make a donation back then? You put it off. The kids are off in college already. S send us, send us uh, some of the money you would have spent on, uh, I don't know, some of their video games or something. Whatever. Anyway, uh, it would be great if you can support us. Uh, bills are due, and we have you know we have to we have a lot of expenses associated with our broadcast, with the special events that we create, and again, we uh, we are campaigning against cage-free eggs when so many other so-called animal charities are campaigning for them. Uh, we are here to campaign against the cage-free egg industry. And uh, if you're with us on that, show some love and donate at GoVeganRadio.com. I want to thank Andrew Sutton and Ben Brayman for technical support on this show. Without them, none of this would be possible. So uh, great thanks to them, and thanks to you for listening. Please, if you haven't done so already, today is the perfect day to go vegan.